Hello, bats and ghouls, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here on Spooktober 5th. I am Nick, joined by the skull-hatted person on my left. Nick, is this any way to treat your good friend, the Spookmaster General? You describe yourself as good friend of mine, which we're, are two different words that I disagree with. We're best buds. No, no, no. Uh, I. <laughs> we're always talking and hanging out, going out Nine for times... brunch, or should I say, brunch? Nine times out of ten, you say a Halloween pun, and it makes me hate Halloween a bit more. Like, <laughs> it is really also... not getting into the spirit. Also, you you like possess my friend's body while we're doing this, and I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm still not sure like if that's like an okay thing just because it's Halloween. No, her it, soul is damned. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I'm concerned <laughs> then. So, uh, yeah, not feeling positive about this. It's fine as long as she doesn't pass away in October. Okay, well, I'll work on that then. Uh, <laughs> with my medical knowledge, uh, so. <laughs> I'll, I will construct rudimentary life support machines, I suppose. <laughs> I can only, I, I, I mean, I guess I could like, you know, grab a live wire and use it to, you know, to like do the, I don't even know. The like a car. Like, look at me, look at me, look at me. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Maybe I should maybe I should take one of those like emergency medical care classes that my job keeps offering. Like, <laughs> it is worth it to take a CPR class. A spookmaster general uh, is is okay with that because safety is actually very important. Uh, okay, you can't you can't uh, go to a Halloween party if you've tripped and fallen because of an OSHA violation. Yes, <laughs> or should I say, can I make a Halloween pun off of OSHA? Yes, there's so many. Ghostcha. That's not bad. That's not bad. Uh-huh. I've heard worse. So, oh. From you. Oh, uh, so. oh. thank you. <laughs> I have like a good range I can play with. Not all of them have to be bangers. Not all of them have to be brunch. <laughs> I, can, I can fall somewhere in between. Um, Guys, it is October the 5th. Which means that we are following our usual tradition. I think that we kind of delved into doing LGBTQ stuff last year instead. Uh -huh. uh, but usually we look into spooky series uh, whenever we have uh, the occasion to do so this time of the year. And uh, that's what we're doing this week. Uh, it's a short series that uh, I had never heard of called Hideout. Uh, published in 2010. It's a short story, a single volume long uh, by Masasumi Kakizaki. I've heard this described as, and a lot of people in our chat seems to have brought up this point on our Discord server when discussing the series. It is like a manga take on a Stephen King novel. Yeah, I, can I see guess. That. But like a very straightforward one, uh -huh. not like, you know, ones involving like, you know, beings that eat reality. I was going to say, it's, it's not set in Maine. Uh, there are no high school bullies and no one does cocaine. So it's not a one for one Stephen King book, but it's 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 got vibes. And that's the important thing. 
Yeah, there's no weird mentions of underage sex or anything. You know, it's just <laughs> truly one of the most revolting <laughs> things to discover about any book uh, in uh, my lifetime. Certainly, mm-hmm. they do what to Beverly? <laughs> yeah, you know, in this 1100 page novel, uh, there's right, you know, right in the middle that happens. <laughs> so oh, I'm just gonna go back to Tim Curry. <laughs> Seth Green's in that version. <laughs> is he? Uh, he is. He's one of the kids. That's right. <laughs> wow. What a world. Yeah, weird. So, I don't know if I how to begin talking about this plot, because I feel as if I'll finish talking about the plot as soon as I start. Uh, it's about... Um, awful people trying to kill each other, basically. I'll I'll say this. So, like, if you were to... Because this is a very short uh, story. So we're going to kind of end the process of describing it. Spoil a lot. But if you were to, like, pick up the book and there's something on the back cover, I would say, like, there is a couple that goes on vacation um, to try to repair their marriage. In the midst of it, they wander into the cave and they find out they are not the only ones in there. Um, Mm. there's a lot of creepiness beyond that, but that is sort of like our initial premise to it. And everything beyond that point is going to be spoilers. Yes. Uh, (laughs) If I, and a lot of the stuff that I have to say about the series, which honestly is not a lot because it's not because like, oh, it had no impression on me, but it's just a very short story. Mm -hmm. Uh, even with being a single volume long. A lot of it is uh, very visual uh, storytelling. There is not a lot of dialogue in it. And when there is dialogue, it's very simple and straightforward. Characters have quite blunt uh, character motivations Mm -hmm. uh, to them because this is a very short story with very few characters. uh, And it's kind of just built around like a single character's descent into madness. And that's just kind of it. Uh, Yeah. So if you are curious about the idea of like, oh, what would a, you know, guy writing a horror manga who is specifically apparently attempting to do like a Stephen King style story, if you think that that sounds interesting and you want to check it out, go ahead and do so. And then, you know, 30 minutes from now when you're done, come back and listen to this because (laughs) it will not take you very long to read. Yeah. um, Yeah, this is this is definitely a short one. And uh, I think it is it is fun to get these kind of short, quick stories during uh, Halloween. I'm trying to think if there has really ever been like a horror movie that's three hours long or anything like that. I think like short and sweet is kind of the the pace you want horror to be at uh, because it's very hard to stay unnerved for a very prolonged amount of time without it just becoming nauseating um so yeah this is like a very like short quick thing uh and we're going to talk about it now so know that it is spoilers so this is your last chance if you you want to read this unbothered or whatever um but even my description kind of had to be very vague because i think it is within the first chapter that it's revealed that the the lead character is here on this island to kill his wife yes uh the we're kind of given the backstory in little snippets Mm -hmm. uh throughout the story to kind of break up the very grungy uh 
action and creepy uh, sets that happen throughout the series. Uh, so to kind of just arrange things in order, because honestly, when you break it down, it's not all that complicated. Uh, Seiichi, the main character, and his wife, Miki, uh, were seemingly happily married. Seiichi was, is, a, is a writer, Stephen King, uh, <laughs> who is you know, struggling to get published. Uh, and as he is focused on his work, like he's not getting published, uh, their savings are getting used up. And when he does finally manage to land a publishing gig, he, you know, is like so dedicated to uh, focusing on his work that he doesn't notice his. <sighs> I hesitate to use the term. But this 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 woman is such a stereotype that I guess it applies. This yeah. gold digger of a woman uh, decides to uh, you know leave. Uh, she's like in the living room, doesn't notice that he's like listening to music while working on his novel, and says, "Hey, look after our son while I go out and buy stuff with all the money we don't have." And uh, because she's gone and Zaichi is focused on his work, he doesn't realize that their kid is trying to get the laundry down from it hanging o over the balcony and he ends up falling out of the window on, off the balcony and to his death. So their, you know, their life is now in ruins uh, because of that. So he has gone with her to try and like sort things out so that they can like, you know, reset their life and work through things together. But in reality, uh, she is not interested in that anymore because she her, she thinks that he's no good. He can't hold a job down. And also she's blaming him solely for the death of their child. Also, and she never like, wanted kids to begin with. That was so stupid. So uh, <laughs> just she is just a bad person is like what you you learn. I mean, everyone in the series is pretty bad. Everyone is bad in this. Uh, and so Seichi has decided to take her to this island so that they can, you know, make things up it's actually so that he can kill her because mm -hmm. uh, it's like oh there's like all this history on this island that there's that there was this war there's all these bodies everywhere so even if someone were to find her body after the fact no one would think it was suspicious and so he would get a, completely get away with it you know when his wife goes missing <laughs> yeah well, when when he flies back and they're like where's your wife he's like who uh, uh, also I, we have i don't have one do you see a ring nope <laughs> Also, Check do you know anything about her, about her parents being, you know, bloody heaps of bone and flesh inside their house? Parent? I don't, I don't think I've ever heard of that term before. Par parent? Parent? I've never heard of them. So, I couldn't know any. I couldn't have killed them because I don't know what they are. <laughs> Officer, are you so, writing that down? I couldn't have. I couldn't have killed because I don't. Thank you. Now. You would think that, like, oh, well, like, the kind of the twist is that Seiichi is, like, mentally unstable because it turns out, oh, he's been planning on killing his wife after his, you know, life went to shit. Uh, and it, uh, it's revealed, like, very late on that he killed her parents because they were going to, like, if he tried to divorce her, sue him for they, they stuff. Were, they, yeah, they were going to do the compensation thing, which I think we talked about a little bit briefly when we discussed, uh, what was that? series that Dear Sachan. Do you, no was it Dear Sachan? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, that series where it's like sometimes when you uh cause harm to somebody you are entitled to compensation from them right. in Japan. So uh that's like a late reveal like how mentally unstable he was before all this. 
Except that he was planning on killing his wife in cold blood, and that's revealed in the first <laughs> chapter. So it's kind of weird. It's, uh, it's definitely like a, a like you you would want to say it's like a descent into madness. But yeah, like the first chapter is him being like, off. "Time to kill my wife and start my new life." Whack whack whack, and you're like, "Okay, so he's like, I've never thought this man was stable." <laughs> right. Uh, the twist in terms of the actual like sequence of events is that. Yes, they are not alone in this place. Like, he tries to kill her, doesn't do so immediately, so she runs away, ends up running into a cave to try to get away from him. He corners her in there uh, and thinks that he has killed her, but he's very bad at this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so, this is classic horror movies where no character knows how to kill anybody except for the monster. So uh, he thinks he's killed her, sees a creepy little boy lurking in the shadows, and is like, the fuck do you want? And just leave. <laughs> tries to leave. Uh, can't find his way out because, you know, he was in an adrenaline rush chasing someone into a cave and got turned around. And then he is beset upon by the monster. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the the man. The, the, the father. I, Call him the father. The father is, is probably the best description. Uh, who is this old, decrepit looking man who has Him been living Pimbo in this Jackson, cave. basically. <laughs> Get on over here! I've, I want to procreate with your wife! I'm going to uh, find the gold in these hills if it kills me! This, I'm pretty sure, full-on Game of Thrones character. <laughs> yeah. Who uh, kidnaps all the couples that come to this island and wander across his territory inside this cave, which also has like an underground bunker beneath the cave, I guess. Uh, he keeps them all imprisoned, has sex with the women well, and I, eats I, the men. Yeah. I, I think at this, from what I could entail, he's only ever had the one woman um, who he, he basically captured and well maybe he has been but he never had a child i guess with anyone else he's he's only ever right. successfully had one child um and then yeah every everyone else he just eats slowly uh yeah you know it's like if you you don't have to just chop off a bit at a time dude that thing's going to get infected yeah. the better thing to do is to butcher the person and then you know do stuff to preserve it you know Cold salt storage. that shit up come and on, stuff man. come on it's not turn that person into Bacon is what I'm saying. Yeah, like, man. Just... you're making this much harder on yourself. I, I feel like if you didn't think this thing through, the whole cave and everything like that, I feel like if you'd put a little more thought into this, this could have been a whole operation. We could have had an entire murdering couples, you know, agency. <laughs> yeah, like a cave, first and foremost. Not that appealing for people to wander into. You should have, like, a sign or something. Like, that's what they realize at the end. Like, there should have been a sign. A sign that's like, please come into my cave. You won't be eaten. And then the, the people would be like, eh, honey, it says we're not going to be eaten. So... You know, this is a very weird guest book. This guy is just like taking up much um, up a whole bunch of the space of it, just, <laughs> just telling his life story with lots of self-incriminating <laughs> tales. Like, yeah, this oh, guy's he... gonna be in trouble when a cop finds this place. Anyway, let's go inside and see what the place is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it does have four stars on Yelp. So, <laughs> just steals people's phones. <laughs> it's just one review. <laughs> It's from him, the father. He still only gave it four. He's like, place is magnificent. You'll have a grand time. 
it can be a little drafty at times. I, I'm going to be real. <laughs> I haven't found where I'm supposed to go to the bathroom yet. <laughs> There's piles of shit everywhere. I made a real mess. I'm, don't go into the bunker. Actually, do. Please go into the bunker. <laughs> don't go into cell four. And when I say cell, I mean um, hospitality <laughs> <The> room. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so he runs away from this guy, ends up discovering his underground facility, discovers the woman that he's got trapped in there. And she says, yeah, you're going to die, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, the, because this is a horror mo uh, movie, sorry, a horror manga, uh, this crazed cannibal man uh, has a plus 27 stealth check. And sneaks up on him for the first of many times, knocks him out and ties him up. And uh, this is after Seiji has discovered, that, like, oh, there's a guy who's been tied up. He's got his limbs chopped off. He's slowly being eaten. Uh, and he realizes, like, oh, shit, I'm next. Uh, and to make matters worse, uh, turns out Miki survived his very bad murder attempt and is now staying in the facility. And she's like, ha! You suck. You've always been useless at everything. And now I know you're useless at murdering people. Not like that hot, sexy, old cannibal guy. <laughs> Actually, in fairness, she does not say that she finds him attractive. She's like, I'm just going to use him to get what I want. And I don't give a shit. Yeah, she's like, yeah, I know how to use men to my advantage. Uh, in this case, it's to escape a murder cave for you. I got a couple things from Chanel. So, you know. All, you yes. both suffered equally at my hands. Yes, the ideal career for someone to have for you to exploit them through your marriage. A writer who is not contracted to any publisher. <laughs> so, Very true. Uh, so now Sage's like, oh man, I'm going to die. He's like, he's very panicky. But then uh, the little boy he saw earlier uh, comes to see him. And uh, this proves to be Seiji's way out of the situation because the boy says like, oh, you know, I, I've never been outside and I want to see mama, but Papa won't let me. And so it is all but confirmed that this is this boy is the product of the woman in the facility that Seiji saw earlier uh, being forced to have sex with the man uh, who is keeping them prisoner. And so, which implies that because the boy is, you know, somehow learned to speak fluently, uh, <laughs> not a very good educational environment. No, well, uh, you know, he's trying. It's it's tough getting supplies. School teachers nowadays have it really rough, Nick. It's hard. You get to pay for everything. Uh, what we don't see is that one of the people that the old man ate is was actually a teacher. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, God, this kid has nothing. All right. I got a couple of vocab cards on me. Don't eat those. Give those to the kid. at least. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, don't eat them. <laughs> uh, so Seiji convinced him, like, hey, if you set me free, then I can take you to where your mother is. And the kid believes him. And to his credit, Seiji does like follow through in this. But not before, like, he's got his priorities in order. So, top priority, kill that, that old guy so he doesn't kill us. Good first step. Step two, murder my asshole of a wife. <laughs> it's very important I kill her. I get here to kill her, and I am not the hero of this story. <laughs> I have a goal. It is not admirable. Uh, but it turns out that Seiichi does not get to kill her because... He does not manage to kill the old man successfully because 
Uh, he uh, doesn't. He doesn't. He, his sneak attack attempt. Uh, he doesn't. He didn't put a whole lot of ranks in in rogue, so he only deals the one d six extra damage. Yeah. Uh, Which you know, is it's good, but it's it's not that rogues have so many stat issues that it's just like you got to go all the way and get the big damage mm-hmm. dice, or it's not worth it. Uh, so Miki, understandably, when she sees the two murder people att- attacking each other, tries to run away. She nearly makes it out of the cave, but eventually the old man catches up with her and decides, oh, this person was you know, going to betray me and stuff, and so kills her. Seichi ends up killing him after a fight, and it's like, oh, wow, it looks like you know he made it through okay. So uh, he goes back to where the woman is being, is still like change of the wall. The little kid is there. Uh, and by this point, Seichi has started referring to the little kid as June, mm-hmm. his dead son's name. Uh, and he says to the two of them, like, well, now we can be together. And it was like, okay, yeah, uh, let me out of here. And Sage is like, why would we want to go anywhere? That old man had the right idea. The world is awful, and I've got everything I want right here. A wife and a son. And, uh, yeah, so... The cycle continues. Ah. Now, Seiji is the crazy cannibal man. Oh. And he writes a book about it and leaves the book out for people to see so he can be like, come inside, come inside so I can eat you. Probably yeah. not a good idea. It, it, it works. We see one example and it works. So I don't know, yeah. Nick. I, I feel like he had a flawless system. <laughs> it's got a pretty ah, good success see- rate. Very concerning. This guy, you know, wrote this while he was clearly descending into madness and resorting to cannibalism to survive. Anyway, let's go talk to him about our concerns with this. <laughs> hey, do you have a uh, jumper cables back there, bro, uh, champ? <laughs> <laughs> hey, boss, you have an Allen wrench we could use? Oh, you do? Uh, oh, why are you swinging it at my head? <laughs> so, my thoughts on this on this series were, well, I guess it did what it set out to do. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if it was attempting to make all of the characters awful, unlikable people, it succeeded because no no one like is likable in this. Uh, Miki's parents are dicks. Uh, Miki, you start to you start off the series thinking like, well, she seems like a generally like reasonable person who's got a crazy husband. Then it turns out like, oh no, it turns out that she's like just the worst. Maybe the idea is that as Seichi is reflecting on his past with her as he's getting crazier and more and more murdery, that maybe he's painting her in a worse and worse light in order to justify his own actions. But in the present, Miki seems to be a very bad person. I was going to say, we see her her in the present and everything does seem to add up. Um, But I, I do like that interpretation because that is kind of how you would read it. You're like, oh, she's getting much worse as this goes on, um, which I think is one of the kind of more interesting decisions. Um, she's so bad. And like the incident that causes June's death is so open to like, this isn't really Seichi's fault. Exactly. Right. Like there's there's more than one responsible party here, I should say. Yes. Uh, that you'd almost like an, another series would be like, oh, well, the, the the horrorness is the unfairness of the world that no one believes that this guy just truly did not know that he was responsible for watching his kid at that time. Everyone's working like everyone seems to be conspiring against and that idea that like everyone's against you. Uh, but we don't 
get that because Seichi isn't an innocent person himself. We've seen right. that even before he goes insane, he also lies to his wife about having a new job because he's just ashamed that he doesn't have one yet. Um, mm-hmm. And like, there's just things to say. Like, okay, this isn't a good guy. He, you know, he's fallen on hard times, but he's 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 you know, not a not an angel either. And then yeah, we we're introduced to him by him being like, "Time to kill my wife." So it it starts off to me seeming as though he's like already the bad person, and he's like trying to give himself a sympathetic backstory. Mm-hmm. But if you look at his actions, like you say, he's lying about having a job. So it's like, well, you know, maybe Miki wouldn't have gone out and bought all that stuff if she knew that you didn't have a job and yeah. couldn't afford those things. Uh, maybe you're being unfair to her in this. And then you see the way that she behaves while she's in the caves, and it's like, no, I guess that she is just actually an awful person. <laughs> I mean, there, there, is, there is a level to it, which is like she is enabled by the fact that he does not want to communicate things. He does not communicate right. that they are low on funds, that they that he has no job. Like, who knows? Maybe he did say those things off screen and she still is just like, I don't give a shit. Right. You'll find the yeah. money somehow. It's not my problem or whatever. Um, but, you know, it's just a short story. I'm not meant to like really gauge into this or anything like that this is not like we're never going to find out why they fell in love with each other or anything like that they are just a couple (laughs) apparently they didn't fall in love with each other apparently she just tried wanted to tie that big paycheck associated with unemployed writers down (laughs) (laughs) um but i did find this story effective in what it's trying to do which is like i'm going to tell a creepy story that is going to be unnerving and it's going to be about this guy descending into madness and then it's going to have a twist and i thought the twist was actually effective like i started to kind of realize where it was going as he started to refer to the child as his son uh but it is very very like uncomfortably satisfying when he goes down to the 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 woman and she's like oh let's get out of here he's like get out of here what do you mean this is perfect. And you're like, God yeah. fucking like these. She's the only person I'm really rooting for right now. Right. But instead, I assume she's just going to spend the rest of her life chained to a fucking wall eating yeah. human garbage or whatever. It's implied that he kills her at that moment, too, because like she's calling him crazy and stuff. And yeah. he's like, oh, why is everyone so mean to me? Basically. Uh, yeah, it's a guy. I'm the guy here who doesn't like horror stuff i don't either and you're very clear not my I, genre i well i read this and i did see that there were some people in the discord who were commenting on it and said like oh this was creepy and stuff i didn't feel that way i i think that i just like don't react i don't react period <laughs> to kind of straightforward you know slasher movie horror beats when they're in uh manga because i can't get immersed in them because it's like you're not forced to dwell on anything right i'm the one turning the page i i I don't feel i'm stuck in that that moment there's like a a panel where i think the implication is that some of seichi's like uh face is like sloughing off like he's like taking burns or something like that and there's like stuff falling off his face and i was like this is probably good body horror but i am just gonna <laughs> zip on past this real quick so that that is sort of the the level of horror and like a visual only medium like that right and so i do think that hey it's a it's a neatly told little story 
it's you know you feel like it's like yeah this ending makes sense with this beginning and it is kind of like a neat i it is kind of neat at the end it's like oh he's 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 trying to get out of this situation and then he decides that he wants to stay in it um and i just wish that it were a point where you actually feel like there was a character who actually descended into madness over the course of the story, as opposed to starting off as, you know, a cold-blooded murderer and, and then descended into a non-discerning murderer. So. Hey, you know, he, he was a little bonkers. Now he's completely bonkers. That's fine. You know, that's character. That's a character arc right there. The bonkers yes. arc. <laughs> Bonkers. Named, of course, after the hit uh, WB show Bonkers, who was a police oh, bobcat, I believe. Uh, I think that that is accurate. He I had an attractive cop girlfriend in the first season, and then after that, they gave him like a schlubby everyday, like a John Goodman type uh, uh, partner after that. Okay. There's a lot of lore to the Bonkers versus the uh, BCU, 90s. as we call it. 90s cartoons are weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that didn't work. Let's get rid of that character. What happened to them? Huh? <laughs> was it the other way around? I thought maybe it was the other way around. I know that there was an attractive cop and then like a, a, a like a more schlubby guy and they switched at some point. And I, you know, sometimes you get confused because I'm also like, when did the Cookie Crisp decide that the cops were the, uh, you know, the the good guys or whatever? Like for a while, it was, it was about stealing Cookie Crisp, and then eventually they were like, no, it's about <laughs> enforcing justice. <laughs> a conservative uh, think piece that bought the Cookie Crisp. Eventually, eventually, Cookie Crisp was like the thin blue line. <laughs> That protects all of our breakfast cereal. Every day, dogs are trying to steal the cookie-shaped chocolate children's cereal. And that is why we need to give this heavily mustachioed man more guns to do his job. <laughs> all right. Cookie Crisco shows up on the next box in SWAT gear. <laughs> and we're like, I don't think it's that important to pretend. I bought the cereal. It's clearly not that well guarded. <laughs> anyway, good manga. Uh, check it out if you're looking for something horror related. It, it doesn't break, you know, uh, break the wheel or anything, but it's okay. Let's, uh, let's, let's get uh, our recap portion started then. We've got My Hero Academia, chapter number 402, The Tearful Days. Uh, got a lot of cutting around at the beginning of this chapter to kind mm -hmm. of like bring us into a perspective of, okay, we're at a point where the fight between All for One and One for All is reaching its zenith. At the same time, all this other stuff is happening. What? What is the, what is the issue, uh, Master? It's because of my very powerful relics on the top of my head. Every so often, when I go to move my head, I block it against my <laughs> 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 You might hear some audio in Jesus' episode. Uh... So, yes, things are going good. Uh, we check in on, for some reason, Yayorozu, who is like, yeah, I summoned a bunch of Gatling guns with my power. No, you don't get to see me use them. <laughs> but, Nick, don't you mean Yayorozu? 
hold on a second. Ow! We gotta get, get over the light switch. Get over, there we go. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So the problem at, at this point, however, is that all for one is getting close to Shigaraki, specifically getting close to the range for him to use his gloop quirk. Uh, it's all, all, about, it's all about the gloop. <laughs> Everyone's terrified. They're like, he's gonna gloop away. I should have saved it for boop. <laughs> I'm so fucking stupid. Ah, my power is so weak at the start of the month. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so All for One starts, you know, narrating, I guess, just, like, saying stuff. All Might tries to get his attention, and All, All for One is like, I'll smoothly perform the transfer without the risk of my med any meddling by Midoriya once and for all. And he reaches out with his gloop quirk to try and teleport Shigaraki to himself so that they can, like, merge. And Shigaraki goes, nah. Fuck off. Just, no, don't put it in. Uh, so all for one's like, well, all right, uh, I'll just have to go to him then. Uh, so <laughs> starts to do that. Uh, and while doing so decides to heft up all might by the leg and carry him there because he's stupid. Uh, just I, he all for one is dumb. <laughs> Don't he, he can't move. Uh -huh. Your victory is insured if no one stops you. Don't take someone who can stop you with you, you he, idiot. He's very dedicated to just being like, I'm bad. I'm going to do a bad thing. It's going to it's going to really fuck everybody up when I, I embarrass you in front of everybody. Like, yeah, but you have to carry him. To, like, well, I'm sure it's not going to work out. Which would be fine if that were just his in like the main point of him as a character is like, oh, I'm evil and stuff. I mean, it is. But it's supposedly, but it's supposedly not, is my point. Yeah. Because every time they talk about how great he is, it's not, look at how fucking much of an asshole I am. It's, look at my plans on top of plans on top of plans. I plant seeds everywhere so that a new plan can emerge and give me an advantage at a given time. You know, this plan of taking my arch foe with me so he can explode on my face he, if I start to accomplish my goals. In his mind, he, he assumes that he's not going to explode on his face. He doesn't know that he is going to do that at, by the Well, end his of the mind is stupid then. But that, yeah, that is the fair point. This is very much like Aizen uh, on his third fucking transformation. Like, nothing matters. I don't really care anymore. I don't have to be smart anymore. Yeah. Yay. This is very much like a, 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 a moment of just like, I, you could say it's like a flaw of his like this is like his character flaw is he cares too much about all might and this is like a moment of hubris getting the best of him yeah um well, but as hubris we've... hubris that's one of the quirks that all for one stole i think <laughs> yeah it, it makes sure if someone uh shoots a uh, poison in him on a molecular level that he has a, a molecular poison eating dog i can <laughs> make sure he's safe um as we, we, we've we've kind of talked about before that like the main uh hang up for why this like bit isn't as like supremely awesome as it could be uh is just that all for one's not very interesting so even this moment of hubris doesn't really feel like ah what a foolish move he's done what a what a the simple moment of him letting himself slip up because he's just not interesting enough to like yes. every and he also picks goopers most of the time <laughs> to do his work a lot of the time. So I don't know. It's, it's one of those moments where I'm like, I get what they're going for. I just don't think it lands a hundred percent. It's still not bad. I, I'm not as, as harsh, I think as, 
Maybe you are, but... Well, uh, this is all being broadcast still because, of course, people were streaming the fight between the two of them before. And this is the reason All for One is doing so. is because, like, ah, oh, yeah, look at all the millions of people watching and show them how pathetic you are and stuff. You're not everyone's hero. You're just some weird, weak guy that, I've, that I've got, I'm going to kill. Uh, Shigaraki here gets the sense that, oh, All for One is on his way. He's got All Might with him. Starts mocking Midoriya with this news. And he's like, hey, yeah. You better go save him, and that way it'll free me up to kill all these people who are here. Which, yeah, that's consistent at least. Uh-huh. So, uh, Izuku thinks about all of the people, all of the times that you know he and All Might have shared, all the faith that All Might showed in him, all the lessons he bestowed on him, and there is a moment where the one for all vestige within Izuku Midoriya signaled its departure slightly in advance, uh, as in, oh. The vestige of All Might is going to fade away and All Might's going to die. Gasp. And there's a big full page spread of Deku just screaming for, for All Might. Thanks again on the times that things that All Might said to him. And uh, he, All Might in this moment, however, is still determined. And he still stands by the thought that, you know, even without a quirk, Deku can be a hero. And he thinks to himself, because you're someone who gives us all every time. Someone who can never let his dream die. I also can't abandon my dream. My dream to be the symbol of peace. And All Might does a full full 180 degrees sit up in order to get up in all for one space. And, oh, you left him with one of the gloves modeled after Bakugo. You dumb motherfucker. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not his best move. I think, again, I think the goal is trying to be that he is, this is his blind spot. He hates All Might so much that this is where he'll fuck up. And, like, even though All Might is probably going to uh, either die or just be, like, you know, so battered that he will no longer be a functional uh, person really anymore. Um, and All for One will probably survive to some extent. Uh, it's him being like, ah, damn, all for one actually, or all might kind of really fucked him up. And at the moments of this explosion going off in all for one's face, he thinks of his final battle with Nana Shimura, where she, you know, cast aside Grand Torino, uh, and, uh, you know, bid him goodbye and, you know, got killed while all might was watching and Grand Torino was, you know, taking all might to safety uh, had her by the neck, and she said, All for one, you will fall to All Might without a doubt. And now All for One realized, like, oh, he's even crazier than she was. And yeah, he's exploding himself in order to hurt uh, All for One. And he's mocking him in the moment as well, saying, Maybe you'll turn to, co- to a kindergartner after you die this time. So, yay! Yeah, I mean, look, this, this, I think this is good. Like, I am like, this is cool. Uh, saving the Bakugo bomb for the very end. This is like his, you know, then, you know, from hell's heart, I stab at thee kind of move. Uh, it's cool. The pacing of this has worked. We've gotten to see him do cool things. We've gotten to see him look like a badass. And now at the very end, it's just like, oh, he's just going to delay him as much as possible till the point where all for one's presence isn't really like a factor anymore. Again, I don't know if you can kill him because 
who knows what quirk he could still have to like change things around but he's he's de-aging at this point so there's there's presumably just going to reach a point where he's like fuck i can't merge with shigaraki anymore like you know create this this tension that's there or whatever um it's still though a thing of like all for one hasn't been the most captivating antagonist for him so all all might is doing a lot of the heavy lifting here uh, and I would love to see just more. It's weird. I w- <laughs> I'd almost like to see him be more unhinged and just a fucking loser uh, to kind of really drive home just how petty he is about this one man, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe he has done that. It's just his dialogue has never been particularly interesting for me to read. So mm-hmm. it's always like in one ear and out the next. Right. Yeah, I think that what All Might's doing is cool. But yeah, all for one sucks. So. Mm. Undead right. Unluck. Nick, let's talk about Undead Unluck. This is number 177. Let's get it started in here. Yep, that's it doesn't say in here. Uh, or it, actually. Uh, actually, it's just called Let's Get Started. I had the whole, I, I made the whole thing wrong, Nick. I apologize. Can you forgive me? Uh, the uh, full title, the uncensored title of that song is a uh, very offensive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> In my mind, I've forgotten that that's the actual title. I'm like, no, just let's get started here. It's like it's it's one of those things that like in 2003 was kind of considered okay. <laughs> even then, it's worth noting that this that version exists because even then they were like, we're not going to display this on cut <laughs> on the radio. The um, NBA won't let us advertise their stuff if we. <laughs> Uh, so we open the chapter with Apocalypse, giving us a description of the master rules, the rules that are... Oh, no. They're going to introduce Xyz cards, Quinn. Yeah, uh, he's let me explain pendulum summoning, summoning to you. No, I don't want to learn how <laughs> link summons work. I don't want to know. Why don't they have a defense mode? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so he's basically saying, hey, these are the rules that happens when you when, like become set in stone after you lose to Ragnarok. They never go away. And that is why Galaxy was here this time. Um, and they're chosen like these rules have like absolute power. And the 10 UMA. Ooh, but quid, don't you mean boo MA? Bam, got it out quickly. Uh, are like the in the initial stage, he says, are the strongest. I don't know if that just means like the first 10 or what exactly, but the, the 10. There are 10 UMA that are very, very strong, and one of them is quest target. So these guys, they're done for. These are like the strongest of strong rules. We get a two-page... So each time, each time that a rule is added during the entire loop, one of those rules gets permanently added. Mm-hmm. So it's... Uh, it's 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 you know a nice little bit of like of lore and and expanding on the concepts like yeah this is why there's fucking stars in this one because that was just carried over so like, yeah all right nice nice simple explanation so uh, and then we get a two page color spread of all of our characters before the the time skip basically in the previous yeah. loop very very cool it's weird seeing Andy I'm like oh yeah yeah he's, I he was the, you he was the protagonist for a long time. <laughs> It's very unique seeing you again. So uh, we open with Rip, Latla, and Layla who are approaching the hospital and they're like, holy shit, we see like this darkness kind of go like peering over it. They're like, 
is that UMA6 doing? And immediately Layla starts coughing. They're like, she's getting worse. Uh, Layla kind of notes like, hey, are we really going to go back? Because like Layla's symptoms will get worse. But if like, we don't go, they won't like get worse. Plus, like you're going to have to fight a monster and chop off your legs, right? Are you still going to do it? And Rip's just like, I told you. Asking the real questions yeah. here. <laughs> Asking the manga comment groups questions. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and Rip's just like, I told you, didn't I? I'm saving everybody. I trust Fuko. I trust you. We're going to do it. And I love this because Lotla's like, all right, then we're busting in. And she means that literally they just drive the motorcycle straight into the building. <laughs> Um, yeah, we don't see exactly what their entry point is. Was that a window? <laughs> it might have been a wall. <laughs> I have to assume we see glass shards, so I'm assuming there's like the glass double doors or whatever. But it is very like no time to let these doors open. Like there were automatic ones right there. If you veer just a little bit, to the, you know, whatever. Um, Rip notes he's like it's gotten worse since the first time. Now even the doctors are affected. He goes over to Fuko and he's like, Layla needs, she's like, I, I know, get into an operating room. Don't worry, proceed with the operation. Just make sure you have lot like give you a prediction beforehand. Do that and your ability will manifest and you'll be able to beat the OMA. He's like, but once I do that, I become on repair. Who can do Lotless or Layla's surgery? And Fuko's like, don't worry about it. You need to trust that me and my organization Union saving you three is our mission, and Rip's just like, "What do you mean by union?" And she's like, well, "There's no time for this." <laughs> um, when we start getting these little like messages in this creepy text box, are just like, "No, don't do anything. Things are fine as they are." I mean, listen to all this killer music around us. People suffering. Oh, it's so cool. I love it when they groan in pain because they're dying. Humans are so weird. Their bodies don't even last that long and nothing survives them after they're gone. It all goes away, yet they feel they have worth. Oh, what, what is it? it? It doesn't even make a difference when they die, but still, oh, oh, they come up with things like medical care to prolong their lives. How embarrassing. Um, it's and, the union's worst fear, Quinn. A fit goth. <laughs> yeah, this is an individual very shredded. Although, as I, I, I pointed out in our Discord earlier, Rip is also obscenely shredded as well. So every, everyone just has time to work on their six packs. Um, but he has uh, long hair and he's wearing what I can only describe as like Kingdom Hearts pants where there's a lot of like belts and zippers <laughs> yeah. to it. Um, but this is introduced as UMA sick phase two who just like cackles and is like, I shall offer these cries straight to God. And Fuko's like, Rip, go. I will hold this person back. But if you want to defeat them, operate. So... Immediately, he's like, all right, I'm counting you. He heads out. And he's just like, look, I have no idea if she's going to be okay. We've got to do what we've got to do. And Fuko stands out against uh, UMA Sick, who's just like, oh, you're the first seat, aren't you? Oh, you wanted to take one of, one of the master rules on alone and die? I can understand that from your previous leader, but I guess you're just, I don't know, you just want to die, I guess. Um... We just hear a big crash. Like, he basically is like, feel the strength of the Master Gods, and there's, like, a crash. And, like, Lotla screams, because it's like, oh, God, things are happening. But Rip's like, we got to focus. Let's get started. Um, and he, he's like, I need a prediction. 
And then he thinks to himself, that monster that's hitting us, the patient's lot, and we go into a flashback where Rip, as a little kid, is like, I wonder why illnesses exist. <laughs> um, Layla, the sick child, is like, I don't know, maybe it's like a population control thing. Like, not everyone, like, it's to make sure not everybody survives, basically. And Rip's like, no, that doesn't sound right. And she's like, oh, maybe it's like a karma thing. Like, you know, we, when you die, you come back, maybe you get sick. And he's like, no, you couldn't have ever been bad in a previous life. Oh. You're, like, annoyingly sweet and innocent, so that can't possibly be the case. And he says, you want to know what I think it is? I think that people would just be too happy if they didn't get sick. So God forces sickness upon you because he's jealous. And I do like, well, it's just like, God must be really petty then. And Rip's like, yep, women probably hate him. <laughs> uh, and he just says, hey, so once you're cured, you're going to be the happiest you'll ever be. And what comes to your mind when you picture that? And Layla just says, huh, I don't really know. But I guess if I picture it, it's the three of us being together always and then we get this scene of latla giving her prediction into a ball saying it'll succeed without a doubt and rip's about to perform his surgery and there's like the little black waves around them the negator abilities are activating uh and we even see unrepair in its own little thing but rip has stopped he can't move and he's like oh the scalpel no my whole body has stopped and that's when sean and shakara uh poke their heads out they're like oh thank god it worse okay we're gonna we're gonna switch places and rip's just like wait what the fuck's going on i wait you mean i already have unrepair and he is committed to his thought process like wait who's gonna perform layla's certain they're like don't worry about it she'll be fine we got it yeah yusai is there she's like we're not forced you fight i do like the idea if yusai was there it's just like an extra precaution like in case unmove doesn't work we're also gonna undraw you drawing a scalpel you can't take your scalpel out <laughs> uh but she is here to say like hey we're here to give you the option again this is your chance to like live a quiet life and go off your own way or to align yourself with union as that happens we cut back over to the sick fight where it looks like fuko's been into the fight for a little bit her hair's all out she's mm -hmm. like on the ground she's on one knee uh, but all of these, at first, I thought these were, like, the medical, uh, like, uh, things you would, like, wheel around. But they're actually, like, capsules because they all have union things. Mm -hmm. And they're all containing members of union. Like, they all land. And then suddenly something comes out of one and it just punches Sick right in the face and sends Sick flying. Uh, and Fuko just says, I'm not as strong as Mr. Juez, but even so, I must overcome it all. And that's why I've assembled a team that will negate your master rules. And we get this two-page spread of essentially everybody in Union. Uh, the only person who seems to be notably missing is Fang, who maybe wasn't always a member of Union. He might just be kind of a, a mercenary still. Um, but, like, everybody else is there. Gina, Phil, Billy, Tella, Shin, presumably the Shin we more recently know. Uh, unless that old man's just, like, he's, like, 200 at this point. Uh, and right. it took a moment for me to realize that's Creed in the far back left uh, because he's in another suit of armor, but it has all the missiles. So, uh, and we just... So, so then who's the one on the right? That's Void. That was his original costume when he first showed up. Oh, he showed okay. up. He showed up in like a big boxing costume or whatever. Um, so he's the one who punched him uh, coming out the gate. And uh, yeah, it's a super cool two-page spread. 
Yeah. And uh, Sick ends the chapter by saying, or no, sorry, uh, Fuko ends the chapter by saying, let's get started. It's going to be the Gators versus God and the Master Rules in an all-out war. So it seems as though there is this establishing this idea of like, okay, there's going to be like a more traditional villain group to mm-hmm. be overcome now. Uh, but I do like the very simple backstory behind them. Like each of them are, you know, one of the most important rules that have been laid out for the universe over hundreds upon hundreds of loops. Uh, and they're all really bad news. You know, they're the concept of like being sick. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's, bad news. It's also that I forgot uh, describing it. Sick also has like a Roman numeral X across their chest yeah. so perhaps which means that they're actually the strongest yeah. because they're the tenth. <laughs> yeah so we're eventually gonna find out one of those lines wipes away and the other one what what is zero in roman it, numerals i have no idea uh well it, that's kind of a complicated thing because <laughs> <laughs> it just uh, wipes away and says it's it's a complicated thing but i'm actually well, zero it's actually, it's actually like it was supposed to be a one but then it got crossed out oh <laughs> that's pretty cool it's pretty dope i'm on board with this now um i cried uh at this last page because this is really cool i loved seeing everybody gather together it was a happy tear kind of thing it was uh very very awesome um i do think yeah this seems to be setting up this idea that like not only are we progressing and getting more of our members but also like the narrative stakes against us are higher as like we're gonna fight these master rules from here on out and they're really really strong we need essentially our entire team to take these things out and it kind of makes sense that like rip who was probably one of the more significant negators in the previous loop is kind of the one that ushers us into this yes and uh, yeah presumably we'll get like you know a more like of a big deal being made of the UMAs that they're going to have to take on as they recruit some of the more important remaining members of the team. Because of course there are still quite a few people that they haven't recruited yet. Uh, it's not Tatiana, Top, Juez, yeah. cool. Andy, obviously. Andy. Uh, well, Andy's uh, coming back with artifacts. I believe that's what he's off doing. Right. My point is just they yeah. haven't. Gotten yeah, them. they haven't gotten everybody back, and there's presumably going to reach a point where they're just like shit. This is. <laughs> This is dude, this so, is gonna be tough. So yeah, I mean, like with no like opposing group for the union anymore, it's all just like all the humans working together. There has to be like an actual established set of antagonists to overcome, yeah. even if they're kind of nebulous until they're actually fully introduced. It at least sets up the idea of like, remember, this is you know a war against the forces of God. Yes, the dick God, the the that asshole God over there who is just. A, makes children sick because because <laughs> they're just fucking assholes yeah i thought this was like a super cool chapter i'm excited to see what we do next uh and i'm excited to see when like rip gets involved in all this because he's 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 very cool nick i mean yeah you know, yes i guess so <laughs> i like him i don't know if i call him cool <laughs> i do i mentioned before i think i have a, a small crush on rip for some reason <laughs> I don't. I don't like it, but it's it's there. Quinn, it's uh, it's Halloween season, which means we've got to talk about Valentine's Day, chapter one hundred nineteen. This is bullshit. Chapter one hundred nineteen of Bubba Bubba Blue Box. Uh, it's uh, all the boys are like, oh hey, yeah, do you get chocolates? Yeah, yeah, and uh, Ayame, hey, but Nick, know what you mean, Ayame. 
Yeah, fucked it all up. Hold on. Ah, Yame. There we go. Do that one. Use that take. <laughs> I mean, the the first one got muted out for me because the oh, sound clipped. But okay. That's good. <laughs> that's good. Uh, yeah. So some Fix of the members that in post, of the. Then. <laughs> sure. <laughs> me who edits this podcast today. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so members of the Batman Club are asking about like, oh yeah, did you get chocolates and stuff like that? It's like, well, you know, it's not about how much you get; it's just getting you know one set of chocolates that comes from the heart. And someone says like, yeah, well, I mean, the chocolates that you get from the manager don't count. And uh, yeah, Ayame, she's she, she did a very nice thing. She made chocolate for all the members of the Batman Club mm -hmm. so that no one would feel like a loser. <laughs> That's very nice. Uh, but she also specifically notes like, oh, Kyo's not here, and I, I made sure to give him an extra big helping and a nice box and stuff, and, and I wanted to see him react to how delicious they were, so maybe he would start to develop feelings for me. Oh, I hate pursuing someone. <laughs> <laughs> Uncharted territory for her. Uh, Taiki gets called over because there is uh, a guy covering like high school sports who wants to interview him after following his big tournament victory in the first year tournament. Uh, wants to ask him some stuff about it. Uh, and Taiki's, you know, at first like surprised by this. And then Haru's also right there. He's a, just so you know, he's mainly here for me. <laughs> can't let can't let his junior get too full of himself. Got to knock that down yeah. as soon as he starts. He wants to, have he wants to make it very clear. But by the way, I'm better than you and probably always will be. I just need to make that. By the way, here's this reporter who likes to talk to you. I just, I want to make it very clear. You suck. I rule. Uh, carry on. Yeah, so the reporter brings up like, hey, you guys are going to have that national qualifier in spring. You might end up going head to head against each other. You know, how badly do you want to win? And Taiki, without hesitation or looking nervous, just says, I'm not going to lose. Just makes his declaration right there. And he's like, look, you've always, he's always taking good care of me. The tournaments are different. He's my upperclassman, but that's irrelevant. And Haru has an amazing clap back. He looks at Taiki for a second, and then he says, uh, make sure you add, he yapped annoyingly when you write that up. <laughs> it's a great line. This is also just like a great face promo to like set up a oh, match yeah. that's going to add. Like, I was like, this is really compelling to make me be like fuck Taiki's kind of cool with all due respect Haru <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, so yeah they, they talk they, they're going over that with the reporter I do like how Taiki is finally thrown off by Haru <laughs> he's just yapping annoyingly but hey we gotta cut back over to Ayame see how things are going she runs into, into Kyo they have a cute moment they run into each other god damn it cause she he she runs into him goes wah and he goes, wah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just um, like her being like, what the fuck? What was it? He's like, eh, I just got, got caught in the moment. <laughs> uh, so Kyo's like, oh, are you going up to the second floor? And she was clearly looking for him so she could give him the chocolate he ma she made for him. But she makes up an excuse to like, oh, yeah, Shonokaka landed up there. So uh, he says like, oh, I'll go with you. And then she's like, ah, oh, never mind. Uh and, uh, you know, it was like, oh, Ayame, come on. She's, Don't she's you're, you're contracting Taiki's you're contracting Taiki's running away virus. Don't do this. I go now. She re-screams and runs away. <laughs> um, and so she's thinking like, oh, my God, 
uh, if I uh, if I gave him, and she's like screaming in her own head, like, "Oh, if I give him the chocolate now, he won't be able to focus on practice." Yeah, uh, I'll give it to him later. And then Hina comes up. She's got some chocolate for uh, for 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 Kyo. Uh, actually, Ayame has some chocolate for her as well. It looks like she's just brought chocolate for everyone. So, uh, and uh, so Hina looks at Kyo and uh, says, and she says, "Oh, what's with that needy look? Fine, if I must." Gives him a big old bag of chocolate, uh, and she says, "Yeah, this is this. Thanks for hearing out my problems the other day." And then he looks at it and is like, "You left the receipt in the bag." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Ayame sees this going on between the two of them, and she's like, "Oh, I gotta get ready. Uh, gotta go." And uh, she thinks to herself, "Like, does Hina care about Kyo more than I thought?" that she did. I shouldn't spoil things between them if that's the case. Uh, she goes outside, runs into Matsuoka from the basketball club, who is like, ah, I haven't gotten any chocolate. <laughs> and she says, like, you know, you look like the kind of guy who would get a lot of chocolate. And he says, yeah, I used to because, you know, when I was popular for being good at sports. I love which that he puts he, in quotes. I love that even he's like, it's kind of bullshit that just because I'm good at an athletic event that just makes me immediately cool and popular on this scale in this school. That's irrelevant to the my care my content of character and who I'll be in the rest mm-hmm. of my life. So he says that I got some chocolates from a girl. Turns out it was the girl my friend liked, and I valued my friend more, so I gave the chocolates back to her. Well, why'd you do that? Yeah, well, after that, the girl started ignoring me. Because, you know, I became the guy who, like, rejects a gesture of being given chocolates. So now I am seen as, like, kind of full of myself. And so I don't really get chocolates that way. So it's like, it actually makes sense. Yeah, it's it's annoying because I'm like, don't make me feel for Matsuoka. God damn it. Don't you start being a three-dimensional character. (laughs) You're supposed to be a jerk I never like. You're supposed to be the guy who loses at shuttle runs. <laughs> uh, and, you know, also he's like, she, he's like, I, I've kind of, you know, like at the point where I was like, look, I'm not getting chocolate from the girl I liked. And it seems like she's with somebody else now. And so, yeah. So he's seems to have realized, like, there's stuff going on between Taiki and Junatsu. He's backing off from that. Still sucks, though. He's like, all these guys around me get chocolate from girls and I don't get any of that. So, okay. Uh, and uh, literally some girls walk by and go, oh, there's Matsuoka. Why not give some him some of your leftover chocolate? Nah, his smile feels fake. It's <laughs> fucking, they say it loud enough that they can all hear it as well. Like it is, it's not even just like, no, like, like whispering, just like, nah, seems phony. It's fucking r- vicious high school kids, man. So Ayame uh literally like Matsuka's friends like hey if you've got any leftover chocolate could you like give them to him uh and Ayame thinks about the chocolate he's, she's got left it, it feels awful because he's just sitting there after hearing that and he's just like what's so bad about me and just like yeah oh, god you're just a kid and you're a little bit of a dick you're not that bad you'll be okay people read too much into your into your every action because they're teenagers <laughs> uh so she decides to give Matsuoka the chocolates that she made for Kyo. And she's like, look, this is just, you know, an obligatory gift. Like, don't read into it or anything. It's like, okay. And then Ayama's like, 
Oh, well. I was thinking it's not like me to tie myself up in knots. It's not my style to get into complicated relationships. I need to live more carefree. And she's like, you better give me, you know, that chocolate back on white day. You know, double that. And of course, at that moment, Kyo is walking by and uh, sees that Ayame is given Matsuoka the chocolate. Thinks about the way that Ayame was, you know, like kind of like getting close to him and stuff. And he just thinks to himself, hmm, dodge that. I almost got the wrong idea. <laughs> just, ah! It's so inferior. It's great. This is wonderful, brilliant storytelling, but it's just like, God damn it. Stop being stupid kids. So everyone go on Koji Miura's pay uh, social media and post the he can't keep getting away with this gift. <laughs> she, right? I don't know, actually, come to think I of it. I thought so, but may, I might be wrong. Regardless, I don't know. Yeah, it is uh, actively uh, cruel that this is happening to us again, uh, all over again. I was even thinking it earlier when uh, the Hina moment comes in. I was like, if Hina actually does have feelings for Kyo now, and we have to watch a second love triangle where she just gets her heart broken, I I will somehow rip this manga to shreds. I don't know how. It's currently digitally on my computer, right. but I will find a way to destroy this with my hands. Wow, it's really impressive that you tore your monitor. Not snapped, but like tore the like pieces. paper. Yeah. <laughs> my hands will never be functional again because of all the, <laughs> the shards inside of it. But it was worth it. Uh, and we're going to end on a very brief comedic note to make everyone This is feel not just comedic. This is cute as shit. This is cute. Uh, so Taiki spots Matsuoka with the chocolate. It is, of course, wrapped in the same wrapping paper as the chocolate that Shinatsu made. Because the two girls made it together. Yes. He saw the chocolate yesterday and is like, wait, I thought that box of chocolate. Is that the box of chocolates that Shinatsu Senpai made? Why is Matsuoka Senpai having? Ah! Uh, so, you know, he spends the rest of practice being like, no, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way. But he's, he's, of course, thinking. He's panicking. Like, he is yeah. running to find her at some point. Shinatsu grabs him, literally, and is like, hey, come over here. And, you know, goes somewhere so that they can be alone because it's a secret that they're dating. And she gives him a box of chocolates. And she's like, oh, happy Valentine's Day. This is for you. And first Taiki is like, ah. And he goes, oh, thank goodness. And he is like, oh, I, uh, Matsuoka Senpai had a box of chocolates. It's really similar. Wow. And Jinatsu grabs his face with both hands you know does the full like squishing the cheeks thing because he's and she just says my boyfriend is you taiki oh it's so cute like she's just you like got it don't overthink this this was not something to make a big deal out of of course they were for you you know it's very very yeah. adorable it's it's very reassuring to have this level of communication between these two uh, with their relationship. Like, you know, Taiki very clear, like he only had like a couple hours tops to be paranoid about this. And Shinatsu squashes that shit. It's like, no, I'm with you. <laughs> but yeah, oh my God, the, all the stuff with Ayame and Kyo just 
girl, like you're torturing yourself. You're denying yourself happiness. Don't you see what you're doing? <laughs> it, it's it's painful, but it, it, it is understand. We are like, I get it. She has like a moment she wasn't expecting. She she gets nervous and she chickens out of just doing the things she wants to. And then she gets distracted. Once again, we see Ayame, despite all of her tendencies that would make her kind of bratty, has a good heart in her. She's like, this person didn't get chocolates. I'm going to give it to him. So that's going to happen. But then Kyo walks by and is like, oh, I thought those are the ones I saw her have. I mis- I- I'm glad I didn't misread things and think she was into me or whatever. And you're like, this no, is deep- she is into you. Yeah, it is deeply frustrating <laughs> as somebody who just wants these uh, adorable kids to like end up, you know, in, in happy little relationships they really want with each other. Uh, but from a narrative essentially, like, yeah, this is just like good uh, miscommunication writing because that doesn't make anyone at fault. You're not angry at Ayame for running away. You're like, I get it. She's a kid. She's not really sure of her feelings. And she ran into him by mistake. So she just panicked. And then she did a good thing by giving Matsuoka chocolate. It's 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 very effective at like being frustrating, but in a, a very satisfying way. <laughs> Uh, and it's then very well done. The, the moment with the end where, where uh, Chinatsu's just like, my boyfriend is Yutaiki. I don't know why I was like, this is a fucking phenomenal scene. I loved it. Chinatsu's a great girlfriend. She's very good. <laughs> She's very good. She's like, please calm down. <laughs> All right. Kaiju number eight, chapter 94. Hoshina and Kaiju number 10 have stabbed Kaiju number 12 through the fucking core. And it still tries to attack them at the beginning of this chapter. I was like, no, don't do this. Give Hoshina his fucking win. There was uh, there was a brief moment where I was like, damn, are they actually going to fucking... Yeah. Fortunately, uh, it, it, it's, it, Kaiju number 12 does collapse. Like, it's got no more left. The core disintegrates and it collapses and falls onto its face. And Hoshina says, you may have been my enemy, but bravo. It's, like, it's a hey. great fucking moment. And it's like, hey, we had a fucking killer wrestling match at the end of it. We're going to shake hands so the crowd can all pop. So everyone celebrates because Hoshina I, has managed to win. Can yes. I note this is one of my favorite tropes, by the way? Like when I think of like some of my favorite moments in manga, like this is going to be like kind of in there. And the uh, um, Shin and Yukimitsu moment from the Ojo White match uh white knights match where he pushes yeah. it through or uh, it was everything. well done yeah, like, that was magnificent i think uh, yeah. and i'm like fuck that's so goddamn cool people just respecting their opponents is awesome sportsmanship uh yeah, this... general's really into sportsmanship <laughs> and hoshina uh has a very cool just two-faced spread with this freaking dinosaur guy dinosaur demon swordsman guy uh behind him mm-hmm. and then he collapses because oh yeah he's very <laughs> very tired yeah. uh and uh so everyone's like yeah we're done with the kaiju yeah no she is like i can't move uh, <laughs> i love it yeah like the, the kaiju number 10 like oh yeah all right let's go fight the other officers now he's like no you big stupid idiot i can't even move right now. we're done <laughs> uh we cut away to a different city where uh, Oshina's older brother gets word uh, that, oh, we've received word that Soshiro won. I can hardly believe he was able to solo and identify Kaiju. His brother says, of course he was. They say that Kaiju challenged Soshiro to close quarters combat. 
that sure as hell wasn't a good idea. <laughs> um, and so his subordinate's like, oh, do you want to like congratulate him over the, at the radio? Nah, he hates me. <laughs> I... I loved this interaction because I like I didn't really like put a lot of thoughts into it, but I like when they introduced Hoshina's backstory, it's like, oh, you know, brother was always stronger and was always so distant away from. Him. I was like, I know that like kaiju number eight kind of like thrives and cliches, but this was one I just wasn't going to feel. And the idea that he's just like, no, I've always loved my little brother. I've always loved him. <laughs> he's always been so good. And you're like, fuck, this is a much better relationship that they have. Hoshina's just like, fuck you. You were mean to me as a kid. He's like, no, I was just your older brother. What, what do you mean? I love that he says like, yeah, can you imagine like, you know, your little brother five years younger than you do closing the gap between the two of you? So I taunted him all the time to demotivate him. It had the opposite effect. <laughs> it's just like, you're a terrible brother, sir. <laughs> I love that. You're quite the terrible brother. <laughs> Uh, but hey, he is also part of the Kaiju Elimination Squad, and he, you know, he's got a job to do. They they set off in order to do stuff. He's like, all right, I better get out there and show, you know, I've, I've got to be a good big brother and show, make a good, good showing of myself. Um, so, hey, that just leaves Ashiro and Kaiju number 14, the giant multi-headed plinth yeah. that is blasting out everywhere uh and it just uh, shooting beams from its mouths collapsing buildings uh we cut inside one of them and and there's a mother comforting their child and says don't worry i'm certain she'll take care of it and there's heavy infantry and helicopters and stuff that fire upon the kaiju and it just summons a force bubble around itself takes no damage whatsoever so like oh we don't have the means to take down an identified class kaiju and then over the radio comes the response. They consider them warning shots, but don't stop shooting. And Ashiro starts issuing out orders of what to do to coordinate with her. And she says, don't worry, Taco. We have a way. I'm going to shoot right through it. And she's carrying a giant bazooka while riding her tiger into combat. Specifically, Akira slot motorcycle sliding her tiger into it is, combat. It is... The shot of the Akira. Flight. I I popped so hard when this happened. It it, it, it it has been like a point with Kaiju Number Eight. We have talked about how boring and like nothing of a character uh, Ashiro uh, was in this series. It was just never particularly interesting to follow her. And like we're ninety four chapters in, and she's done Jack Diddley. <laughs> this forgave all of this. <laughs> so over the top that i was like fuck yeah like i i was uh i was like the people in the bar meme who all like just start cheering and going nuts over just the dumbest thing of an Acura sliding tucker i was going to have a field day if you still didn't like Ashiro after this. It, it might as well just have a, a giant banner under it that says, like Ashiro Quinn. <laughs> it might as well. This was so fucking dope. I'm also super excited to just see what looks like it's going to be some kind of long-range exchange. Like Those are like cool things mm-hmm. to see manga try to capture. So I'm interested in that, but yeah, tr- truly just like 10 out of 10 no notes perfect final two page spread 
Yeah. So uh, maybe maybe this will also be a chance for us to learn a little bit more about Ashiro, considering that the big fights at this point have all delved into the people's and to our characters' backstories and and get showed us some more of them. Even stuff like we knew about Kikoru, we got in more detail and like how that's affecting her in the present and stuff. So yes, if as long as this doesn't end with like, and she shot the kaiju and killed it. Yeah, every, then... if, every fight's been like three, four or so chapters long. If the next chapter is she just shoots one laser and blows it up, it'll be like, all right. But she did Akira slide into the tiger, so I'm not <laughs> too angry. I'm just a little... <laughs> Also, Kaiju number eight. Let's just get mm. that out of the way. Hold on. Flick, flick. Flick, flick, flick. Okay. Flick, flick. There we go. World Trigger! It's chapter 237 of World Trigger. The Away Mission Test, part 33. Hey, did you like all the stuff about character backstory and reestablishing motivations and how some of our characters ended up at the moment that they are in the present do you want to go back to boring analysis of test responses <laughs> was, we were truly given like a moment a little nugget to keep us on the trail like oh uh, i'm starting to remember why i love this series so much the characters the world everything and then like i started reading this chapter and i was like no 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 we're going back to battle sims no i kid you not i because this is a longer than usual length chapter for world trigger this mm -hmm. is virtually two chapters as one in terms of how it's been publishing whenever we get you know the two chapters uh in a month sometimes i had to i i got bored and put this chapter down and then had to pick it up like four times in order to get through it and i have never had to do that with world trigger i was so disheartened when we got back to this stuff but nick uh, this is truly the scariest manga of the week you can feel yourself screaming as the manga drags you back into battle simulations. Your fingernails scraping the ground. It really was like feeling like we had killed the slasher villain and then they came through the window <laughs> instead like, of the sequel. You're like, no, you're supposed to we be were, dead. I we ran were. you over with the chainsaw lawnmower. What <laughs> chainsaw lawnmower? Uh, it's a lawnmower for taking down trees, obviously. <laughs> it was a weird thing. Like, it took a lot of like movie setup to make make it work. But I ran you over with it. You have to be dead. Uh, Yuzuru and, and Ninamiya basically wrap up their conversation. They kind of just like reestablish like what they're trying to do. Uh Yuzuru like wants to know more and and, and but Ninamiya's like, hey look, given everything that you've heard. I want you to ace this test. And user is like, well, why? And Nehemiah says like, well, the leadership team is wary of others doing what Hadahara did. And user is like, well, I wouldn't do that. Even though if I flunked the test, I would never do that. And Nehemiah points to like, are you certain of that? How can you be certain? Let's say that like Hadahara shows up or like she invited you to join her as a stowaway. Would you have turned her down? And so, you know, he doesn't have a response for that. 
So Nemia is like, look, if you express a desire to look for Hadahara and you're not selected for this, don't you think that the others in Kagira squad would have, you know, enabled you? Hypotheticals like that are moot, but you've got to quash any lingering doubts that people have about you. You've got to make it on this away mission through the proper channels or it's going to reflect poorly on you. So, hey, Nina Mia, being a good senpai, isn't yeah. that nice? Uh, user asks, like, hey, are you sure you should have told me that? And Nina Mia's like, I was given permission to talk about certain things during my captain's briefing. So, and there's more, more. St- yeah, there's more stuff to reveal later. So, yeah. And he says, hey, user, get, get some sleep. And user is left to think about, like, hey, would I have taken up that offer if Hadahara had made it for me? What would Nina Mia have done? And he thinks about it, like, you know, like what Nina Mia has told him about his thoughts on the Hadahara situation and saying, like, this doesn't mean that I'm going to take all this lying down. I want to hear out her reasons for myself. And user's like, you know, I guess I feel the same way. And we get to the end of the, of the, of the day, start up day five. Uh, user gets himself ready. Uh, she kind of, you know, says good morning to him. And then user says, Hey, I'm going to try even harder today. And she goes, you know, smiles about that. It's like, yeah, it's great. So, you know, he doesn't like apologize, but he makes things better between them. It's, and, it's very nice. And then we get 30 pages of fucking essay deconstructions. Yeah. Not before not before we, we could check in on Sua Squad having breakfast though. <laughs> yeah, look at them. They're having a good old time. They're having, they're having look at Katori. Day. She's she her hair is different. I've barely recognized her. <laughs> um so they, you know, think about like, hey, what are we gonna do during all this stuff? It's like, oh, I guess it's what we're gonna it's gonna depend on what you know they have for us. We cut back two days ago to uh, the analysis team discussing the responses to the written essay special assignment over, hey, what would you do in order to like change the way that rank tests are done? And so they go over a bunch of responses. And they go over a bunch of responses. And they go over a bunch of responses. And they go over a bunch of responses. Oh, and they go over so a bunch many. of responses. It's so many. It's just, it's one after the other of like, oh, this person said that it should be more like capture the flag. This person thought it should be like a tower defense thing. This person thought that maybe they should go and get, and, like, you're just like, unless you do these, unless we see these, why am I reading about this? Like, I understand for, like, a diehard. You can like really pull a lot of like personality out of like who answered what and you're like oh this person answered this this really goes to show this is the way their brain works or whatnot um but truly this this could have this is all just manga white noise like this is like 30 pages of just like oh hey wait what about a mission where like we have to defend our operator because non-combatants could be in there like oh that's interesting and the chapter ends and i was like god damn uh the general responses that have been that were submitted the general impressions are kitora thought of a lot of like real like stuff that they should probably take into account like hey maybe we should have practice with like you know npcs to, to civilians because you know we might have to defend against invasions and protect people 
and Tai Chi being a, a stupid little fucking kid with dumb video game ideas. <laughs> what if I had a mech? Like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Isn't he also one of the ones that's like, what if uh, we were all had like unlimited try on or something like yes. that? <laughs> what if I had a bigger gun with four barrels? Like, shut up. <laughs> I will never be wrong about this. <laughs> you you can't argue with me, chat. Oh, yeah, he wants he wants uh, original triggers of modified functions. His idea for one is stupid, though. What if my sniper rifle were four sniper rifles? <laughs> like it would be, in, he wouldn't be able to hit anything with it. No, he could hit four people very very close together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Setting> right. <laughs> Look. 99.9% of the time that hits nothing, but that 0.1% is going to be pretty epic. This all leads into the reveal of the special assignment in the present, which is create Tryon soldiers using the attached software. Each squad member was created at least one. The Tryon soldiers will be used as controllable units during the special battle simulation exercises today and tomorrow. So... Did they take this as advice? Did, did they take the the suggestions in and actually work them in? Or were they always planning to do this? Are we going to see other things that have been suggested worked into the battle simulations? Sure. In like 2048, when the series finishes the away mission, it's like, oh, it's time for the B-Rank Wars again. <laughs> um, And yeah, so they're going to have to make up their own Tryon soldiers, and I guess it might be fun to see what horrible monstrosities some of the people come up with. It, it maybe maybe some of them will make like those those terrible fossil Pokemon from that one Pokemon Gen where they sure. were all wrong. So. Um, I, yeah, maybe that point's going to be cool. I, this just is so exhausting to read it's it was like easier when i was stockholm syndrome and to be like you know this isn't so bad it's kind of funny getting to see what other people do and then they hit us with like actually no there is a story to world trigger and it's very interesting but the characters have a lot of like depth and personality and intricate relationships with each other and i was like oh this is wonderful and then right back into like what if i answered my essay question in this way it's not wrong it's not really correct really it's there there is no qualifications to it we're just going to discuss it and i was like god damn it i hate this shit again there's like an active part of my soul bubbling up in anger at the idea that it's like not only do we have more battle sims but they're they're like they're going to be more complicated so we would absolutely have to spend time talking about so we can't it. skip over them <laughs> i just I want to cry, Nick. I love this series so much, but god damn it. Oh, God. All right. Nicholas, let us talk. Quinnifer. Spookmaster Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about uh, Eden Zero, Chapter 258, The Shape of a Planet. Um... We have a big space shot. All of our characters are in space. All of the shots of women are in weird angles. We're just like, why would there be a there camera is a there? Full on, there is a full-on darling in the Franks shot of, of some of them. It's yeah. stupid. Yeah. Uh, Homora, or not Homora, sorry. Valkyrie reveals she just has like a hundred guns inside of her. Like her body just opens up full of guns, which is kind of cool. Uh, she shoots at Brigadine. He blocks it. He shoots her with a giant blast. Uh, and to survive it, Valkyrie has to overdrive. Uh, and she immediately calls out to Hamora and is like, Hamora, I have a situation. You need to beat Actuella. And I was like, oh, finally, 
Like Hamora gets to do something at this point. And then I stopped and I was like, she, you know, has to beat Actuella. And we know she was a tough opponent because last time she got beat by. I think someone shot a big laser at her. I'm pretty sure Elsie <laughs> cut her in half. Yeah, so I, like, I, uh, yeah, she just did it immediately, too. It was very, like, mm-hmm. anticlimactic. So it's not as like, oh, I wonder. I guess that's our skill is more as strong as, as, you know, past universe Elsie. Uh, we'll find out. Anyway. Cut inside of the Eden Zero, which is talking with Wizard. He's like, I'm the stronger version of you. I have teleportation magic, which you don't have. He shoots a bunch of uh, explosions and general wizard stuff at her. Uh, and he's like, ah, I've defeated you. Uh, and she overdrives. And uh, I guess this is our first time seeing which is overdrive. Who cares? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, she's just like, this ship will never sink as long as I, the Shield of Edens, is here to defend it. And he's like, overdrive! Uh, and they do more wizard fight shit, and he's like, ah, but I am the Spear of Edens, the spear that exists to shatter the shield. And I'm like, I get it. I get what you're going for, guys. This dude does not resemble a spear in any way. This was the weakest member of the Dark Stars before, I believe. So I don't really know uh, what about him is supposed to represent a, sh- a spear, but whatever. He he wasn't even the first one to get involved. It's not even like it's like, oh, the initiative or whatever. Um, but, she, you know, which is like, ah, if he's here, then that means the Eden's one is close. Um. Does this? I'm trying to remember if this scene means anything. No, it just means Shiki's. They're flying around. They're like the Eden's one is here. Oh God, this is a lot. And Shiki's like, I'm gonna sell this. I'm bored to Eden's one, and he fly. He he flies towards it. Uh, we cut over to Hermit and Wise, who are stuck in their room. Wise is like, this is bullshit. I'm gonna like, I'll rewrite the system from here. And then Killer shows up. He's like, you're wasting your time. I'm the upgraded version of you, Hermit. They'll never beat me at anything related to programming. It's hard to take this super seriously because all of the Dark Stars were beaten <laughs> before. Yeah, uh, so, uh, I, yeah, it's that sense of, like, this isn't actually that interesting. But the Eden Zero is currently set to self-destruct its program, too. And uh, I like how Hermit's like, there is no self-destruct program. And he's like, ah, There is now. <laughs> And then we go back into what is uh, looks like our framing device for this arc, the 20,000 years ago flashback where Hermit is telling Killer, you know, this, they're different versions at this point. They're both just school children. She's like, this is the end of our planet. I'm not going to give up. Uh, and she's like, yeah, you remember that thing I talked about that all things could overdrive? He's like, huh? But th- that's just the theory. She's like, no, I believe it's true. And maybe the, the like the key to saving our planet is we're gonna make the planet overdrive. That's a chapter. Um, sure. Uh, I also like to say words uh, sometimes in an order, <laughs> and uh, there are implications, I guess. So something happened when I read this chapter, which was. Uh, I've just, during this entire thing, was just been in a realm of, like, I don't care. Uh, This is so stupid uh, that I'm going to try to get through as much as I can find wrong about everything that has happened in the past three chapters, i.e. this arc. Uh, But I'm going to just uh, set a limit for tonight of just 90 seconds so that I don't go on forever. Okay. Okay. Uh, 
Point number eight. What? Uh, you, so this is a 20,000 years in the past flashback, but also overdrive exists, which means that ether gear exists, which means all the technology that is in this future 20,000 years after this point exists. Is there going to be something where it turns out that that technology was lost and then regained? I thought this was just supposed to basically be earth, but apparently no, all this sci-fi gear nonsense is here and stuff can overdrive B stuff that isn't people can overdrive when has this literally ever been suggested is this the introduction of this idea if this is the introduction of this idea why is it not being made a big deal out of i will say very quickly in response that we do know like ether is and everything because lc's entire gimmick was uh and i think also justice uh was like taking the ether from the planet so i guess you're just like if ether reaching a critical point is what does overdrive it's conceptually possible Right, I get that. Okay, see, so stuff can overdrive, and you're just now introducing this idea, but because the the point of the big bang of the chapter is supposed to be, we're going to make the planet overdrive, we have to just kind of like brief, immediately move on from like, oh, stuff that isn't people can overdrive now, I guess, even though we barely even understand that anyway. D, well, actually it's C, it is C, whatever, I'm lost count. Why is this being delivered to us in this way? Why we end each chapter with a flashback that lasts like four pages, barely establishes any context as to what is going on and how it is connected to anything that is happening. Is it because Hero has no confidence in this flashback story and won't let us stay in it long enough to actually get any context for it? Point the next. If these are all people who are modeled after shit. Keep going. I interrupted you. Sorry. If all of the dark stars are modeled after people in this flashback. What about those two that were the dark stars of like Brigadine and Killer before? Why did they look like that and didn't look like the people that are in this flashback? Are they going to also show up in the flashback? Anyway, that's my point for now. Yeah, uh, I don't think uh, it's it, this is bad. We'll just go with that. I don't want to crap on this because honestly, I just don't feel anything towards this chapter. It did something kind of cool, which is like, oh, Hamor, you have to be the one to take down Actoella, uh, which is nothing. As we said, Actoella was not like built as a credible threat in the last universe because LC was just like, I'm done with you. Um, but she has to do something like Hamor physically should have to do something in this universe, which is cool. Um, but Eden Zero is just dumb. And uh, the flashback stuff just feels like him saying like, oh, isn't this dynamic and interesting? Like we just flashback just a little. And, you know, we find out just a little bit of everything each time. But it's just not satisfying because there's not actually that much interesting stuff going on in the past. Uh, we could kind of already piece together, I think, what we needed to, which was like, oh, the dark stars and the shining stars all had a relationship in one way or form with each other. Not necessarily romantic, although we know wizard and uh, witch had a romantic one, but like they have some connection with one another. They um, were engaged. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Uh, the only one I actually am interested by is the character we haven't seen yet, which was clown who we didn't right. really get to see that much about what he was about. Um, so I actually am remote and he was also the only one to not get defeated. He like vanished away. He's like, Ooh, goodbye. So I'm like mildly interested to see him, but yeah, that's, it's, it's not satisfying, but also I just don't particularly feel like talking about it too much longer. Got it. Cypher Academy chapter 42. War is the mother of invention. Uh, 
So, hey, uh, Iroha and company have gone into the Cypher Academy metaverse. Mm -hmm. They were headed towards it, and we're going to do it at the end of the last chapter. Iroha is alone by himself in a classroom with a VTuber uh, who introduces herself as the capable AI Dekiai-chan. And uh, so I hate, she... I hate this series, Nick. I don't want to read it anymore. <laughs> uh, she's. I, did I say? Did I say VTuber? I meant um, Cortana from Halo. Uh, oh, is that then, any this better? Is, then this is uh, erotic. I can't wait to talk about this. <laughs> uh, so uh, Iroha, I guess makes a comment on her name, which I think is supposed to be like a play on AI because part of it's I, and she's like, no, nah, no, nah, don't say anything clever. I'll have, you know, that, that, that whoever designed this navigator as a cute girl must be totally out of touch with the times. I, I know that you're thinking that, but if I were a macho guy instead, this would end up as mansplaining. So all the guys aside for me, are old male butlers. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> So Iroha is like, is this really the metaverse? Uh, and she says, well, it's virtual. This is class M1 on the ground floor of Cypher Academy. Anyway, so Iroha is actually just like by himself in the boys dorm right now uh, in reality. But he sees himself as being inside the class. Uh, and he's like, huh, I, I, I mean, I can see everything here and I can feel the desk and chair. But I know that the only furniture in the boys room is just bunk beds and Dekiai says just trust in me you've heard of synesthesia is there's a there's a justification for how vr works basically mm -hmm. so she says i'm going to explain the rules this is an exp exploration style dungeon filled with mysteries and adventure you'll try to head down as far as you can go while solving the difficult puzzles that stand in your way on each floor do your best to reach the lowest floor b500 <laughs> 500 levels damn this is some fucking grindy uh fucking shit uh oh god what's the name of that franchise uh Dis disgaea yeah this is some fucking grindy disgaea oh. level shit where you're just like fuck how many floors of this shit i don't want to do this and i had to do it again to upgrade this item i hate this I mean, I guess it's got to be difficult because literally uh, at the bottom of this is all of the morgue. Yeah, all the uh, morgues so. down there. Yeah. This is for all the morgels. Uh, Come so, on, that wasn't even a spooky pun, but the Spookmaster General deserves a little prop for it, right? Nope, moving on. This God chapter is too long. This chapter is too long and complicated. So, uh, is like, you know, you're describing this as like a dungeon, like it's a game. And she's like, oh, yeah, it's supposed to be fun. You've got to solve codes with a smile on your face. Yay. Also, this is a variation on gamifying in order to reduce the guilt one gets from participating in war. Yay. <laughs> uh, okay. So. I'm going to pick up where I left off, uh -huh. I guess, which was that, uh, yeah, we we're told that all the different members of the exploration group are on different floors based on their ability. Toshisai is the furthest along, closest to the morgue. She's at 200 out of 500. Iroha is on the ground floor, meaning he's at level zero. Yay! Uh, so he brings up like, I mean, I guess it makes sense that Toshisai is, you know, that far along. Why am I dead last? I mean, I thought I did really good during the tournament. And Dekiai explains, like, well, you know, normally, like, your 
ranking is based on your grades in class, but there's also other things as well that add to your overall score, like your personality, your temperament, your experience. You have any complaints after all that? No. So, you know, no, no, no. You were very thoroughly graded and you're still zero. Sorry, Hiroha. So. Bummer. I do like how they try to explain it to like, hey, this kid has won everything. He's the class leading private. He's the grade wide private. Why is he at the lowest level? They're like, because you you also lack other things. Uh, so that's why you need to be at the, the absolute bottom of this list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she presents him with a puzzle, which looks like a QR code. Uh, and uh, so she also makes a point of like, hey, once you hit the basement, you won't have access to the support features that you've been able to use up until now. Um, I guess that she means literally the floor below him, or maybe she means even further along than that. In which case, why do they all have their glasses items if they can't? Whatever. Uh, Hiroha flashes back to a conversation he was having with Toshisai recently, which uh, in which Toshisai said, oh, I'll log in with one of the mass-produced models. And she's very awkwardly like, refers to him as master because of that one bet they made at the very beginning of the series, which hasn't really come up at all in like the last 40 chapters. So it's a weird thing to be reminded of just at this moment. Like, oh yeah, she agreed to be his servant, I guess. (laughs) It's come up like once or twice very loosely, but yeah, she has not played. She's not played as much into that as she has uh, played into like the butt thing, which Which, out of context, that sounds insane. She also brings up a butt thing in, in, in this conversation as well. So, uh, so she says, um, hey, look, this is the original glass weapon. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm turning it over. You're the one it was originally given to. I've never had any intention of handing over the war disaster crypto funds to you as well. And, you know, when you say it like that, the series sounds a little silly. So <laughs> you're like, maybe this uh, series is kind of dumb. Yeah. She establishes like, look. I respect what your goals are and the dream you're trying to accomplish. And now that you're the great white leader, it's about time that we slapped the Togi Shuzaka Alliance in the butt and put an end to it. Which there wasn't much that that alliance really ever accomplished, but okay. No, I was like, I remember them talking a lot, but I feel like that kind of ended rather abruptly. Hmm. And yeah, she says, like, look, it's war from here on out. I'm going to I'm going to be the the king of games and become the code emperor and stuff. I love that the way she does it, like she stands up with such authority or whatever that her 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 gun, her bullet, like hair ornaments, like hover over almost like they're like weapon, like 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 our weapons. But like, yeah, yeah, they're like uh, primed and ready to go. Uh, Yeah. And Iroh is like, now that you've acknowledged me as an enemy. I don't need to catch up to you anymore. I simply need to surpass you, which is like, aw, that's a nice shonen sentiment. So yeah, even without active, you know, using the glasses abilities, he just starts deciphering it. And uh, he thinks to himself, it's true. It's impossible to decode a QR code with the naked eye, but that's this actually was a QR code. There are some very suspicious shapes in the middle of this. And he just flips it around a few times. And it's like, yeah, this is, yeah, it's 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 kanji. So, um. <laughs> and the answer is roguelike zero to five hundred because the idea is that this is going to be a roguelike inspired game, 
I guess. Sure, you know, it, it makes sense. You're proceeding through floors, yes. Does that mean he's going to gather items and he's got to, like, instruct his build on the fly, or is he just going to solve puzzles? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, the, the idea of a roguelike is that it's, like, usually procedurally generated, so, like, maybe mm-hmm. that's a thing. Uh, and, you know, permadeath is a thing. Like, once once Aroha dies, he, he does come back, but as a new character with no stats. So, yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, the guy's like, all right, you know the rules now, so go on ahead. And Eroha's like, yeah, I don't need you to tell me. It's Elamid! And he steps through the door and he ends up immediately falling. Uh, so yeah, hey, he goes, goes down to the next floor by falling on his butt. And Dickey calls after him saying, artificial reality is on a different level than reality. This roguelike dungeon will allow you all to experience cypher battles in all sorts of indoor environments. And when Eroha looks up, he is in a long tunnel, like an underground tunnel, where there are lots and lots and lots and lots of tally marks all along the walls. Um, so I had uh, a thought on things, uh, which is uh, one thing I found kind of curious is uh, of the classes that go, like of the people that go, it looks like the the dying uh, word code class leader does not go. Hmm. Uh, there's, uh, I think Methane Gas <laughs> is from her yes. class. Uh, yes. And I think maybe the girl with the black glasses to the left might also be, uh, but it's worth noting that she does not seem to be there. Um, so I thought that was just kind of interesting. And I do like how they point out to like, oh, Shitsuke is surprisingly far down like she's basically mm-hmm. where the only other place where like toshusai yogata and other class or grade-wide privates or class-wide privates are so it's it's very interesting like how she's that far down we know so very little about her mm-hmm. yeah so uh we're getting into the next leg of the story uh also i like the two-page spread of all the people who are going on this expedition all wearing their glasses weapons including Quokka, who's got them balanced on her bare nose. Yes. Uh, some cool stuff there. Kagura Oh, there's so many There's so many that could come up in this. Kagura Bachi! Uh, what, what, what could come up, Nick? Nothing. Uh, the so... hat, hat's gone. The Spookmaster General's oh, okay. power is restrained oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. slightly. All right. So. But if we were to ugh, just... There we go. No, there we go. Just, just, just as good. Uh, so Kagurabachi, uh, chapter three. Uh, I don't see the chapter title anywhere. Oh well. So we're introduced to a new character. Um, some girl with like hair buns and um a jacket and stuff. And I must have missed something in the previous chapters. Because it seems as though this series actually takes place in like modern times. Yeah. Is I, for whatever reason, did not think that in previous chapters. Probably because, you know, it was like swords that were deciding wars and stuff. But okay. Um, I think they were noting that there weren't really like swords in the same way and didn't like guys have guns. Maybe I misremembered, but. Remember there being guns, but anyway, I guess I guess kind of like missed the details of that. Anyway, there are still yakuza and stuff. She kind of gives a breakdown of like, hey, so there's there's like 
there's sorcerers, katanas, the leaders of Yakuza gangs, big corporations are always looking for self-defense measures. And that's where these guys come in. Sorcerers. And connecting those parties is my job. And there's this information wide thing from one of our regulars. And then we get um, a flashback to three years earlier uh, and how she started working together with Shihiro and um, the guy, the guy, the adult guy who works with Chihiro. Uh, and so she was asked, like, hey, have you ever heard of Kunishige Rokuhira? And she's like, well, yes, obviously. Did you know he was murdered? Yeah, it was shocking news. Yeah, the Ishoku group claimed responsibility. I stirred, they stole Enchanted Blades. And so, hey, he's like her, their information broker. So she's looking out for information on these Enchanted Blades. Oh, and she gets a lead in this chapter. Where from? From Chapter 3, Witness. It's a little girl who comes into her office what does she have to say? Well, Chihiro and the guy come in afterwards, and she's like, yeah, so I got a lead. It's 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 this girl who's sleeping on my couch. And they're like, what, really? Yeah, she came in, and she's like, I want to inquire about hiring a sorcerer. And then we are established, like, ah, oh, this is the jokey-jokey chapter, because this little girl acts in ways that are both like a little girl, but also not. So uh, she says that she needs protection because the bad guy is chasing her. A uh, bad guy who's got a super strong sword. And so, yeah, she's like, yeah, so it might be an enchanted sword. And they're like, I mean, it's a little girl who could be making stuff up. It seems like not a lot to go on. And it's like, yes, because little girls come wandering into this office every day talking about bad guys with magic swords that you don't go and check out because you guys have so much better information to look into than this. So... The girl comes to, they're like, go home. And she's like, I don't have a home. I'm an orphan. So Jihiro's like, it's okay. I know how to talk to children. Unlike this weirdo with suspenders that I, that I have to work with, I guess. Takes her to a restaurant after, and there's a joke because he's like, have you eaten lately? And she starts to say the answer and her stomach growls. And then she goes, and there it is. Yeah. If we acknowledge uh, the trope, it's not bad. Hmm. So Jira's like, uh, you you want anything to eat? And she's like, yeah, tempura. Okay, so they go out to get some tempura. They go to a restaurant. They you know eat together, and Chihiro starts to get to, use, to get to know the girl. The girl's name is Char, and uh, he says, hey, you know, I better take you to an orphanage after this. And she's like, well, but, but I thought that we were like, you know, this was a meal to seal the deal, and you guys were going to protect me. I thought this was going to be a, a wolf uh, and cub situation. <laughs> That yeah. was going to go along with you as, like, your rascally kid sidekick. Yeah, Chihiro's like, uh, no, no, no. No, I ain't got no. time for that. No. You say there's a bad guy after you? Well, tell me why, about that. And uh, and she starts to explain, and then she's like, uh, I don't want to tell you. Okay. So then a guy comes in, and immediately... uh. Uh, and while the guy's coming in, Char says, like, oh, he had a sword and went, she's eating while talking. It's funny. Uh, and she's like, a cloud came out of it. And Sushiro's like, cloud? A cloud came out of it? That's a very specific story that reminds me of a sword my dad made. A cloud. So specific. Cloud. So, well, I mean, if the, la if the other one made goldfish, and yeah, it is very specific. He made like very fanciful little uh, fun little swords. 
this wow. this one uh, sends out ribbons. Not to like grab you or anything. It's just very pretty. <laughs> it's for celebration mostly. <laughs> it's somehow uh, it got uh, it got switched out with the uh, the climate act that that <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, it's just the bad climate act basically. Uh, so, um, there is, uh, a server comes up to the guy who came in, sat behind Jihiro, and is like, oh, order something or get out! The guy kills him with his chopsticks, uh, and he's like, oh, I found you. You have a bodyguard, huh? What a pain. And then he says, invincible, and, uh, Dharma comes out and, uh, explodes. Uh-huh. As they do. And, uh, explodes in a very specific way that causes uh, the wall to be blown out outside. But for the little girl, it was set off 10 feet from to be completely unharmed. So, you know, uh, I... It's directed. The the rumor was looking that way. And as such, the explosion went out that way. It didn't... didn't, That's how it works, Nick. And uh, somehow the sorcerer guy managed to also uh, snag Char. uh, And uh, she's like, save me! And Jira's like, okay. So, Nick, yep. we have finished Chapter 3. This is an important time for any manga because we have to decide for ourselves whether or not we're going to continue talking about Kagurabachi. So, I'll be honest. this The new manga that we're uh, talking about today uh, that are in their first few chapters both felt like letdowns from previous chapters that they had. Uh, I have... I had a hard time, like, nailing down, like what the hell this series like overall tone was supposed to be after experiencing this chapter, because it seemed like it was supposed to be a thing of like, Oh, there were goofy moments and happier times and stuff. And then there's this whole thing where there's this little girl who acts very strange and it's supposed to be like a comedic chapter. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just the tone for this series. It's like, Hey, it's a cool action series, but our main characters have like kind of a Monza Japanese comedy style to it. Like a, there's like a sh- we have our straight man lead character and then everyone else around them can be a little goofy so we can react to it. Um, I'm not necessarily going to say it's good, uh, but in a way, this is kind of uh, like a, a Sakamoto days where it's like this is going to be a comedy in action. <laughs> <laughs> you can just hear the blood boil it's like hey we're gonna mix comedy and action to maybe as we continue on we'll find more of our footy with one over the other or whatever um sorry you're about to say something no it's all right he, that, that was just a release of of anger i i don't know i just I don't get anything off of it. So I will say this. I I would like the idea that with a new uh, set, especially with a three set, we take one of them on. I don't think any of the series in this this group are going to be potential long runners. I'm just not optimistic about any of them. Maybe Mama Yu Yu could catch on. Um, But I think the most likely thing is is that this is going to be a batch where just because other series... uh, you know, pass around it. One of them will find this weird niche level of success that'll run for like 40 or some chapters, maybe, or like something, something small. I think it might end up being this series just because it's inoffensive enough. And there's like slight little bits that make it kind of curious. I I, I think Mama Yu has, uh, 
lost it, so to speak. I just I think it just hit a weird spot. I haven't read chapter four. Maybe that one was like really compelling. Uh, but I think this just hits that area where I'm like, yeah, I could see why people dig this. Uh, and I just I, I don't think Two on Ice uh, survives past like chapter sixteen, unfortunately. But but can't we just cover the the series that's doomed to, to end really? That's really? the thing. That's why I want to ask. I was like, I, I look, I I am bad with predictions. I I fully admit I could be a hundred percent wrong on this. In my mind, I was like, this is a series I think that'll probably last a little bit, not a very long time, but I think it has maybe something going for it. Um, but like, do we want to cover something that might run a while, or do we want to cover Two on Ice, which? As I said, I, that's the one I feel 100% confident is not making it through, like, uh, the next thing. Like, it's it's going whenever the next uh, series of, uh, or run of new series comes in. The readership numbers for that apparently do not look uh, very good. And we have so. Blue Box at home already. <laughs> like, we already have Blue Box. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. We don't need Blue Box at home. I, if I had to pick out of these three... I would pick two on ice, yeah. but <laughs> I, I, but I, I, given I, that it is, you're probably right that it's probably not going to last. I would go for Kogurabachi over Mama Yu. Yeah, I, I, it, that's that's my thought process. Like I I enjoy two on ice more. I just I I don't know if I have like an interest in like hey let's watch this sports series that we kind of like slowly die. <laughs> Um, but at the same time, it's like the alternative is like, here's this series that could also just die completely. Like this could be the next aliens area where we're just recapping the stupid manga that nobody likes. So I'm like, I'm kind of trying to to work it out in my mind right now. Like which one do I want? See into the future, Quinn. (laughs) The spook master general does not have that power, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Not yet. Anyway. They, they do control, they do have pyrokinesis. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Admittedly, it's way cooler power. We can't really blame them for it's that. It's pretty sweet. It's never come up on the show, unfortunately, <laughs> which is a shame because it is very impressive. I guess we'll read Kagurabashi. All right. <laughs> there we go. Kagurabashi's sticking around. It's it's fully like in the grumbling. Like I don't think it's gonna be. I guess they're fine. Fine. <laughs> New sexist. It's uh, chapter 20, Rengo. It's time for world building, kind of. There's multiple levels of Shikigami, it turns out. And Rengo, the deep center of the eternal night world that houses Shinigami. All exorcists who are granted Rengo Shikigami end their lives, never summoning them. It is a summoning that cannot be paid with the price of just one life. Until we found this easy workaround. (laughs) And Phil, we found out it's actually much, much easier to do it in modern days. Wow. This is super All you got to do is go to this one location and grind for 20 hours. And you can just reduce this thing and then you just summon it. It's fine. Like, it's actually, it's kind of easy if you just, like, I get it. This series that is unfortunately succeeding um, (laughs) is, is going to have these things that it could set up later on so later on somebody without a summoning pin is going to summon this ringo level monster and everyone's gonna be like holy shit this person's crazy powerful yeah I, it is important to do this kind of thing where you talk up the importance of unfamiliar abilities it, it is important to do in shonen manga sometimes uh so yeah 
our our uh, our guy whose name I still haven't memorized. Probably going to have to. I feel like I don't think he's going to die at the end of this. I'm pretty sure he's going to come back in some shape or some way, shape, or form in the future. Uh, but uh, he has taken on Nue, has shattered her her weapon by summoning this Shikigami, Rango number eleven, Kurano Sakibichi. And hey, the thing that he summons it looks pretty cool. It's this like vaguely horse shaped thing made of teeth. It's 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 creepy looking. It's, it's, How does it look it, when it moves? We never see it move. Uh, <laughs> it's it's got like this terrifying thing where it almost looks like there's like shadow people hanging from I don't, I don't want to say head, but where we would assume a head would be. Right. It'd be a good Yu-Gi-Oh card, you know, because you don't yeah. have to like draw it in different poses. It's just kind of standing there. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, meanwhile, Gakuro and Hosh- and uh, Hoshina are, are watching the battle, and uh, they're getting some more, you know, uh, talky talk explanation stuff from uh, Shiraha's partner, who says like, "Oh man, yeah, it, it, her hollow weapon actually guarded her against that impact." Uh, and Gakuro starts to go forward, is like, "Oh, Nui's in trouble," and he's stopped by um, both Shiraha putting a hand out and also co co co. co- Shiro has partner. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, Black Butler. Come on, Nick. Black we Butler. This. Let's do that. Black Butler puts a hand down and it turns all demonic when it lands on his shoulder and stuff. And uh, he says, the moment the Shikigami came out, we all became within Moroyoki's reach. So don't move or you'll complicate things for Nui and make her vulnerable. Uh, and Shiro observes in this very tiny panel Oh, the land is dissolving. Is this part of the Shikigami's abilities? It's like, you could. Why is it crammed to this tiny panel? You can't see the land dissolving. So, and Blackweller says, no, that's it's sim- simply the natural ecology. Take a look. That is a top class Shikigami, usable by only three people within the Exorcist world. Something in a place like this is even more unprecedented. And Gakuro looks at this giant mouth. And the land decays around it because it's so powerful. And he says, is it really that terrifying a thing? Gakuro fucking no-sells this thing. He's like, that bitch ain't so bad. (laughs) Is that all? I've only crapped my pants once looking at it. I need a two-dumper before I get worried. <laughs> this thing hasn't killed my dad. <laughs> That's his, his key. He's like, ah, show me the one that kills my dad, and then I'll show you one that I'm scared of. By the way, have I told you guys about how my dad is dead? A few times, yes, Gakuro. <laughs> it all started one day. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Black Butler's like, oh man, it's, I mean, this thing's not going to stop to dissolve everything around it. So I believed it was it's, it would only be used for times of great calamity. I never thought it would be used to take on a mere clone. And then a giant halo appears around the thing, and uh, Black Butler's like, oh, it shows the Shikigami's range of influence, unlike all the land decaying around it showing the range of its influence. <laughs> Uh, and he says, everything under that ha- Halo's shadow, apart from the caster, is affected by its influence. But hey, in the future, Halo's nice, easy visual representations of areas of effect and stuff. Nui appears on the window and says, like, all right, none of you move. 
Uh, and she, with her presence, like repels this black wave of energy, this massive shadow that comes towards them. It's like obliterating the building around them. Uh, and she is repelling it and protecting the others. Uh, and, uh, you know, Black Butter points out like, oh, yeah, if Gakuro dies from a wide range attack, you're going to disappear. So you've got to protect him. Uh, so now it's like, yeah, maybe if I messed up more when I fought the two of you then they would have sent a different person than this guy. Uh, and her face is like starting to crack from the exertion she's under. Uh, but Morioki says, nah, I still would have been aside to take you out. Because we don't have a lot, we don't know anything about your power. We wouldn't hold back in dealing with you. Uh, and then he declares number 32 rib. Uh, which I guess might be him sacrificing a rib, maybe. Anyway, the barrier breaks, so... Yes, he's right. Uh-oh. Uh, and uh, then Black Butler uh, disappears, or starts to disappear, but he's all... And uh, Nue uses her power to shield Gakuro and Shiroha and says, yeah, you, can't, you guys can't touch this air as it goes towards them. And Gakuro realizes that something bad is going to happen and says, no, you can't! And then she explodes into stuff shadow blood stuff but Marioki didn't attack her she did this herself and it's starting to surround them and you realize like oh it's not over yet and uh he realizes like oh wait a minute i thought Nue was supplementing gakuro yajima's strength as a medium with something else and his power cannot maintain a hollow weapon without output alone but I've already destroyed the weapon. So, and they lose a drastic amount of energy when they do. Well, all right. I wonder if this doesn't apply to a spirit's hollow weapon. Why don't you know that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, all right, fine. Blah, starts to, to attack. And Nue says, I knew this moment would have to come soon, but not this quickly. I don't mind, though, because Gakuro is growing very fast. However, you've lost a valuable aid from here onwards, but it's okay. I expect you'll all further give it your... And she starts talking in nonsense kanji. There, uh, specifically the stuff that she's speaking in is like, you know, kanji symbols used in like Chinese and Japanese, uh, but they don't, are not apparently ranged in a way that makes any sense. So there's a translation for them under that as well. Mm. Uh, so Nue reappears in a, in a kimono, uh, and she says, I shall use this opportunity to show what it means to dominate. Okay. Uh, and Morioki says, I'm shocked. Is that a second hollow weapon? And she's got like a sash that she is whipping around, which was apparently the thing that had someone that had appeared before. And it is hollow weapon number two, Star Slave, which she uses to... Um, Obliterate the Shikigami that Morioki summoned and obliterate his hollow weapon. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> oh, I was actually invested in this. Like, I was like, oh, there's this big terrifying guy. He manages to just slightly get the edge on Nue and break the weapon. She'll have something in her back pocket. She's not going to be completely done. But like, oh, like, things aren't going exactly as she's expecting 
there's this tension and danger when he summons this thing it's like the very air around it is toxic the ground you know is slowly dissolving away it's basically a natural disaster if you move all of us will probably be killed uh and then no way just kills it and breaks his hollow weapon and sends him away and i'm like fuck i forgot that new way is like a really bad part of this series because yeah. she's not interesting and she's just broken and like i was in suspense for a bit and now i'm just bored there does seem to be an implication from what she says that she may be at least temporarily separated from Kakuro, like maybe you know her form will dissipate in some way so she's not around to just solve all the problems uh which could lead to things more interesting happening uh it was actually got it actually got brought up on our discord server uh like is this like series like suddenly winding down because there's this very kind of note of finality to what she says it is not by the way it the is. series is to, doing very well. This series uh, is doing annoyingly well, and I'm so angry. Um, so I that is not what is happening. But we could be proceeding on to like a next chapter of of the story, as in like you know moving forward to like a next big thing where you know instead of having Gakuro just having new way around to solve all his problems for them, maybe she'll be depowered in some way. Maybe she literally won't be around to provide advice or something like that, which. You know, if you take away the safety net, we'll definitely make this, I think, more interesting. But we'll potentially, see I still feel like this series just doesn't know what it wants to do, and it constantly oh, yeah. switches things up at a moment's notice. Um, so I don't know. I'm just sitting here like I I was invested in something. There was tension. There was drama, and then New Way solved all of it. And sure, yep. like I imagine there will be some consequence to this. Maybe they'll pay off the thing where she's like, "Oh, I took on your." uh like prisoner of this family curse or whatever maybe they'll do something to pay off that um mm -hmm. but right now this just felt like oh she new way is really strong let's really establish yeah. that and i'm like I, I i just didn't care about that yeah we gotta right, get fast we we're, we're gonna talk briefly about two on ice chapter two side by side so hey hayama is gonna have his first uh practice session as to be kisara's partner uh, so he shows up at the rink. Uh, the twins who look after the place do, you know, a routine together. And uh, they're doing this thing where the brother is twirling the sister around himself or he's, you know, the center of it. And I was like, what's that? The death spiral. The what? The death spiral. That's what it's called. <laughs> which I think, which did leave me optimistic about this chapter at first. And then it just kind of gets into like, Look, we got to teach kids what figure skating is <laughs> for basically the rest of the chapter. Uh, and, you know, it's like she quizzes him. I'm like, hey, what are the three elements of single skating? It's like jumps, spins, steps. Yep. Uh, and then basically she just has Hayama just like skate beside her and like, hey, mimic what I do. And so they go through the routine together and then the twins are recording it. So they show Jaime like, hey, this is what your routine looks like. And he is immediately able to tell like, oh my God, yeah, we look completely different. I'm literally in the moment mimicking her movements. I'm able to keep up with her, but like she's so much crisper than I am. Our bodies are positioned differently. And they're like, yeah, your, your form is terrible. So he's like, I'm gonna like weigh you down if we do this. So why you look like you're having fun? And she's like, nah, I'll tell you later. Yeah. Uh, and then Haima realized, like, you know, I was so frustrated with what I was doing that I didn't realize, like, I'm actually am having fun. 
like getting to do this together because like when i was practicing before i was always on my own this feels like i'm in an entirely different world uh and it turns out that Kisara is also really happy. She imparts this to, you know, this, the, the twin sister about it, like, hey, I've got someone that, you know, is like kind of in, in sync with me and is doing all the same stuff. And so even though Ayuma is very, very sloppy, they observe like they're actually, you know, in sync already after. And they we, we get a montage of training. They're practicing together for a month. And it's like, hey, they're doing like side by side skiing and doing very well. Uh, and the twins are like, yeah, you guys are really annoyingly in unison. Like, we had to practice a long time to do this, and you guys didn't. So, you know, maybe you guys could do the practice session, except the problem is, like, the timing to do the training and stuff, because we've got to do all these different steps in order to be in order to prepare for that and in order to do this full program. And Hayama doesn't know any of the routines that Kisara does. And then Hayama's like, I actually know all of the programs that she's done because I've been watching her whenever she was on TV in elementary school. So I can skate all of those because I've been practicing after her. Could we use one of those? And Kisara's like, you're a real creep, but all right, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll do it. <laughs> that's that's kind of weird, but that will let us compete at that event. <laughs> and they, there is a nice, you know, shonen sports element of this where it's like, because Haima has been literally modeling all of his skating after Kisara for the entire time he's been practicing, he doesn't have any old habits to have to break in order to get in sync with her. There's some neat stuff in this. Unfortunately, there's just not a lot of entertaining stuff that happens in this chapter. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I I don't want to go too long on it because uh, I'm sure we'll get more of our thoughts next week when we get to mm-hmm. the last chapter of the of the setup. Um, but yeah, I'm just not like it's cute. It's nice. I just don't see this having a ton of likes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the elusive samurai chapter 127 hey akie you helped out and all that stuff he, 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 he shoved he shoved Sheeta out of her own spotlight chapter in order to take things over and solve everything uh other warriors that like we've seen you know tokyuki meet and stuff have done well that like one kid cut off some dude's head okay good for him uh and then uh fucking shiba is like yeah we lost the fight uh he calls for a retreat and says to Uesugi, yeah you take nago and and flee uh and Uesugi's like well what about you oh i've got something to do look i've i've predicted all this stuff anyway so just uh, keep on following me uh and uh gives him like a package of instructions now i'm having computer problems let me see if i can do this from memory so he gives him instructions, Uisuki flees, and he goes to confront Tokiyuki uh, when we get our chapter title, The Future. Yes. And uh, so uh, he sees that Tokiyuki is really pissed off at him because, you know, he held his uncle hostage. And he's like, ha, even you're furious at my command. And when I wept at the river earlier, it was a splendid performance, wasn't it? And uh, Toki's like, yeah, I kind of suspected, but also I knew that your tears and anger were real, so that's why I had to come and fight you. So you can't—he's too sincere, boy. You can't—you know—you can't mock him for, for falling for your trap. Uisugi gets away. He meets with a, a, a messenger who says, like, oh, okay, so you and Nagao Samuk came to pass here on the twenty-fifth around noon, which means I'm going to hand you Plan Number Four. And Shiba says, like, okay. Given this is a, a, a plan that basically has caused us to not kill Akie and we fail because of the loss of enemy forces. So the plan is one that requires my death. So you have to carry out my designs. 
and it's a nice little touch of like hey he he planned for different scenarios it's not like he knew everything that would happen it's i have plans for different circumstances of how the battle unfolds it's a nice way of addressing it. it's a cool way of delivering that information uh so shiba is like oh he's this very you know very smart very meticulous planner but also tokyuki observes that you know he's wearing all of the like accoutrements of his people who he lost in battle so tokyuki understands like did you think i don't know the pain of losing loved ones if you would even use sadness negative for your plans then your emotions must run deep and as one who knows the same sorrow and wrath as the lord of war who stole your comrades and yeah he's drawing his sword and he's like i've got to do this it's a cool moment and yeah shiba draws his sword and we get you know some more you know, like reflections on like hey when he was younger he got to be friends with all these weird generals and stuff they were his companions and now they're dead and he wants to avenge them and he knows that he's probably going to die but he's like it's snowing as i expected so and he basically has also set this up to basically give him an advantage from all of his predictions and we get an Anbokucho tag, the demon of revenge, Shiba Ienaga, as he prepares for single combat with Tokyuki. It's weird because as I was reading this chapter, and Shiba was like, oh, okay, I got, uh, you know, the fight's lost, but there's nothing we can do. But, you know, you go and do all this stuff. I was like, you know, I've been finding Shiba kind of fun. I'm going to look forward to when he shows back up again in this manga. And then as it's I going to die. Like, oh, no, he's dying here. Never mind. <laughs> I just finally got invested in an antagonist in this series. He's going to die. I know I should have been invested in it before, but I'll be honest, I don't remember many characters for who they are because uh, everyone's design isn't... I don't want to say not memorable. Some characters have very memorable designs, but there's a lot of characters that are just, like, pretty guys. And, like, I mm-hmm. mix them a lot up a lot. So uh, it's a bummer. This character's cool, but, um, yeah. Yeah, I think that this makes him out to be to look very cool. I do think, however, it's a shame that we didn't get moments like this to help establish and build him up earlier prior to the moment where he is going to die and we're going to bring that story to a conclusion. Uh, I know that he had moments before, but none of them really left an impression of the way that his actions in this chapter do. Yeah, uh, I I would say more, but uh, we'll probably say it next week. And we got to wrap this up with Akane Banashi. Nick, we got to talk about Akane Banashi. Oh, wait, Akane Bunashi. There we go. All right. Another winner. Story 80, Chocho Konjakute, the Okuanban. So, yeah, Akane is set up where she's going to try and meet this Chocho Konjakute. Another Okuanban, like Master Urara, the member of the Arkar Arch 4 who might give me a recommendation, and someone who has ties to my dad. Just what kind of person is he? So nice little recap of like what's going on and why she's trying to meet this guy. Very, very, very straightforward in that. Anyway, she goes to the Rakugo Hall, and uh, she senses like, huh, things seem kind of like different with the audience. Then she comes across Master Hasho, who is struggling with this rolling luggage, and she says, oh, are you all right? Let me help you. And he says, oh, hold on. And an arm bursts out of the bag like a zombie. <laughs> and uh, so she's, of course, freaked out. And everyone's like, ah, OK, that's your, your plan to arrive today. And it's Chocho Kanjakute who has hidden himself in the rolling luggage so that the crowd outside wouldn't see him coming into the Rakugo Hall. Uh, and yeah, apparently he always comes up with these weird methods of coming into the hall so they won't get mobbed by fans and stuff. 
Uh, and he starts going to like the different Zen Zen saying like, hey, yo, how, how you doing? And boy and stuff gets along with all of them, you know, talking about stuff. They he makes reference to uh, making off with a bunch of money at the races. Uh, so he seems very like carefree, very charismatic. And she realizes like, you know, it's like with Master Urara, who would just pull everyone close to her. And it was kind of scary. But in his case, they seem to flock to him because they just like him so much. So different types of charisma. Uh, Akane approaches Chocho and uh, at first he's like, oh, a girlie's here. Did you get lost? And Akane's really thrown off because she's called a girly, which is weird. Uh, and then uh, he's reminded like who she is. And then and then it's like, oh, you're that girl who dragged Rien through the mud. It's so, <laughs> she's like, I've tried to make up for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, but uh, Chocho just kind of like puts his hand on Asagao's head and like makes him bow. He's like, "Oh yeah, allow me to apologize for the trouble that he caused for this." And she's like, "No, no, no, I caused it." Uh, and uh, he's like, "Ah, you took a page out of his book and acted like a punk, right?" No, it was my plan. <laughs> so, won't let her apologize, basically. But then he just gets into it immediately. Like, you want to ask about the flyer, right? Just knows what she's here for. Yeah. Uh, ahead of time and uh, no one has told him about this apparently he says like yeah I didn't need to hear the story from anyone in order to figure this out but am I wrong uh, and Akana's like yeah and she starts to explain more but he cuts her off by presenting her with a hand of playing cards and he says all I care about are the numbers you know what Shoboichi is it's a gambling game where you try to guess what the dice roll will be when I roll you put down the card you think the number will be. Uh, when you want to ask a favor of someone, you need to meet them on their level. And I hate quibbling over the little things. Let's let Lady Luck settle this one. Basically, just guess wrong, and we're we're done. Yeah. You guess right, I'll do just about anything you want. You feeling lucky? And Akane says, yeah, I think so. And she's looking over her hand of cards, and she says apparently something that Shinta said when they knew each other. No hard feelings, all right. And of course, he's looking at Akane and is reminded of him. Mm-hmm. All that old detail. But they're interrupted because uh, the act ahead of Cho uh, is going to end soon. So he's like, "Ah, come on! All right, we'll do this after my performance." Uh, he throws the dice in a in a bowl that Asagao has, and uh, it's a ten double fives. And then he heads out to go and perform, and the audience is immediately roaring for him nuts not like the response a kind of response we've seen before we've seen like you know people be excited for performance before and they're like yeah yeah this this is like a a stadium uh effect like everyone's like yeah stop stop there's somebody just shouting give it to us Uh, and he's like, all right, let's do the thing, people. Ah! And he like does this weird dance and like he's hyping himself up like he's doing his WWE entrance. Uh, and, uh, you know, everyone is like crowding around from the outside uh, of the stage as well. Hasho stands next to Akane and he says like, oh, he always puts on an energetic show. He has such a fanatical following that it's hard even to get to the dressing room backstage. He's beloved by his fellow professionals. It's rare to see a Rakugoka with such star power. And Akane's looking at this guy and thinking, was this guy really 
good friends with my dad. He seems like the opposite of my dad. But uh, Hasho gets her attention and says, like, you should concentrate on the story. If you ask me, you're the same kind of Rakugoka as Chocho. So this is exciting. I, I really look forward to seeing, you know, what this guy is about. I thought that this was a very good introduction for him because he stands out. Mm. He's different from other characters that we've met so far. Uh, and it's good because, like, hey, he grabs your attention the way the same way he has grabbed Akane's attention. So it's good stuff. Yeah, I like that this guy came in, immediately made all of us pay attention to him, has a distinct personality than anybody else. And then, like, the implication to, like, oh, Akane, you're the same kind of Rakugo as him. It's, like, interesting. But you're also like, yeah, I see it. Like, Akane also goes out and does big dramatic things often with her Rakugo. So I feel like she could be in that similar wheelhouse of, like, this force of personality. And also kind of maybe starting to continue to press the explanation of, like, Akane's not her dad. Mm-hmm. She's a different performer than he is. And so she doesn't have to perform the way that he did. So. Yeah. This is good stuff. It's very, 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 very cool chapter. Very, very And, uh, yeah, there was some good stuff this week. Uh, definitely. What was what was the best of it? Uh, what was your favorite chapter? Who's your MVP? I originally was going to say that it was... Uh, kaiju number eight was really cool i was i think originally gonna say uh undead unlock because that had a really cool ending but i think i'm gonna give it to blue box after reading it it's just so fucking cute and frustrating and there's just emotions all over it that i'm like yeah you know what i think that was the best chapter this week i'm gonna give mine to blue box as well uh it did a couple of different things and it was very consistently good all throughout the chapter in a couple of different ways yeah yeah uh, now, character of the week feels like it should be like a slam dunk, right? Because Chocho came in, we just talked about it, he came in, he grabbed everybody by the throat, and he was like, pay attention to me, I'm a big new character. But you know the one thing he didn't do, Nick? What's that? Ian Akira slide in on a tiger. So my character of the week is going to be Ashiro and her tiger for, for, for Akira sliding into my heart. <laughs> What a turnaround. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is a real three-act story. This is a comeback, you know? This, this, this is classic. It's a, I almost feel like you're going to, like, reach in and demand that, like, I give it to the tiger so that <laughs> you can give it to one character. <laughs> you can give it to whoever you want, Nick. I'm not going to stop uh, you. I, I just know what was important to me this week. <laughs> I have to give it to Chocho. I thought that, uh, you know, all mission accomplished on this chapter, you know, uh, got, caught your attention. Made him very immediately intriguing. Made me want to know what the hell is this deal. And also maybe maybe think like, I think we ought to like this guy, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. The audience, by the way, agreed with you. Oh, wait, no, never mind. Sorry. They agreed with uh, both of us on Blue Box. Uh, but the character of the week uh, was Shiba Naga from The Elusive Samurai. I did see a, yeah. a couple votes for Chocho as well, that. though. So. I can understand that, given that to Shiba, yes. So, all right. Well, that's... It for Weekly Manga Recap, guys. We will have more for you next week as the spooktacular month of, of October continues. Who knows what uh, horrors will await us next week? I do, because oh. that's my, my pick next. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Silly me. Uh, so, well, I thank everyone who joined us for the show. We record live here on twitch.tv slash Rolo T. 
And yes, we record it live, which means that audio problems happen and we have to deal with them in the middle of the show. Uh, I, I just won't wear those headphones next week. This one has a cord that if I... I should have also just taken off my headphones to stand up for a second. <laughs> that was a lot of dumb stuff on my part. I apologize. Yes, it happens. Uh, you can check out our past episodes on WeCanMongerRecap.Podbean.com, wherever the podcast can get posted, which is like on iTunes and Spotify and all that. Video version is on YouTube.com slash WeeklyMongerRecap. The video version also has an opening sequence made by Milo Jack Stillitz and Wednesday Dow Cheddar. Thank you for that, guys. And uh, occasionally also title cards by Steve Mann, whose artwork you can check out by looking for Steve Mann art. Uh, you can also uh, follow us online by whatever social media we're using. We're both now on Blue Sky and pretty comfortably set up uh, yeah. if you're able to get an invite on there. Uh, and uh, you can also join the Discord server, which is linked wherever this podcast gets posted. Use that to find the Google Doc, where we keep track of recommendations, stuff, questions for future Q&A episodes, the MVP and favorite series voting, and all that good stuff. I also, uh, on the, uh, the topic that was uh, on my mind, if you need codes to Blue Sky, if you go to our Discord, uh, we can help you out and get them. Uh, mm. There's many of us that have extra at this point. So if you're still looking uh, and you're not a Nazi, then please come to the Discord and we can help you out. That's right. Uh, and uh, you have to pass the not a Nazi test uh, if you come asking. <laughs> I don't even want to go into the joke about it, but I'm like, it, in my mind, it's a CAPTCHA. <laughs> <laughs> from the capture we're able to identify who sucks and who doesn't which of these books would you most like to read Winnie the Pooh Mein Kampf or Winnie the Pooh again and they're like well I don't really want to read Winnie the Pooh but I'm definitely not reading that second one I say, actually, you see, it's a, it's actually a trick because the drawing of Winnie the Pooh on one of them is very clearly like. Oh no! <laughs> He's in the public domain. You can do whatever you want with him now. <laughs> like, damn! You just can't put him in that red shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I've lost my place. Uh, yeah, thanks to NinjaXDI for maintaining that uh, that spreadsheet that has all the stuff on it because we would forget about it otherwise. And thank you, everyone, who joins us on our Discord server. We've got a great community on there. Thank you to those of you who also support us on Patreon.com slash WeeklyMagaRecap, where we have bonus content for you guys to enjoy. And uh, we did a couple of weeks ago a special episode where I talked about Teen Titans with Quinn and uh, how Damian Wayne sucks. Yes. Uh, so if you want to listen to that, it's on there, and you can check it out. Uh, now I've got the recommendation for next time. <gasps> so, spooky month October is uh, about horror, and it's also about horror adjacent stuff. And I think that that's what this is going to be. We are going to be reading *The Walking Cat*, a cat's eye view of the zombie apocalypse. So Aww. that's our recommendation for next time. Uh, that series sounds so cute. He's just gonna survive. He's just a little guy. This better not, not be hope. sad. I don't know. I didn't. Oh, I'm just... so pissed if this cat dies. Y'all, you motherfuckers will feel the spook master general's wrath. You'll find out all about my pyrokinesis if that happens. <laughs> I'll burn this fucking internet to the ground. And, uh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> no one will be yeah. spared my fury. Even cats, for some ironic reason. <laughs> 
I was going to say I wouldn't stop you if you went on a rampage over a cat dime, but now I might try and do that if you try and kill a cat. Oh, maybe uh, fighting a spookmaster general will help you develop your own powers to combat my pyrokinesis. Uh, not something cool like hydrokinesis to counter me. Uh, maybe you'll just sprout like uh, little wings. Not enough to carry your weight. <laughs> And fly. <laughs> just enough to make me look weird. But they're like just in an inconvenient place. <laughs> just enough to make every t-shirt you wear very uncomfortable from here on forward. Bye, everybody.